Check, check. One, two. Do I sound hot? You sound... Well, you always sound hot. There we go. Your voice is like ASMR to me. <laughs> I often put on the Neon Crew when I go to bed. Why do you, why do you think I've been listening to it so much often <laughs> nowadays? It's because I'm trying to <laughs> lull myself to sleep. Yeah. Now that you're boring... But right, right. It's so more so like yeah, just the relaxation that I yes, get from it. Yeah, I was about it. to say. I feel like I could be on a um, audio recording. Mm-hmm. Like if you went in somewhere and typed in like the sound of like the waves crashing on the ocean, I'd be right under that and right above like Spring Meadow. Yeah, you know? yeah, Spring Meadow, like Willowing Creek. I'm pretty sure that's also like a candle scent too. Which we need to make our own candles. Oh, yeah. We gotta that's... we gotta catch up with Gwyneth, um, Gwyneth Paltrow. <laughs> So, uh, what would your candle scent be if you had a candle? If I had a candle scent, yeah. But if you like picked your own scent and you you marketed it and sold it in coals, I think I would be um, musty sock mix, mixed in with like burnt peanut butter. Okay. And I think it's kind of like those jelly beans that you know that had the oh, weird flavors yeah you know, like like the joke jelly beans like the jelly yeah. belly like they taste like vomit or yeah moldy cheese yeah you know when you eat one of those and you're like oh and then you have another one and you're like oh why do i keep doing it but it's just there's something satisfying about yeah, it the curiosity it's like maybe if i try another one it will taste a little bit better mm-hmm. and then it doesn't because it's it, i it would is not what it says go well in bathrooms though like no. if you were trying to mask the scent, no, like, it would it would only make it worse. Yes, like for sure. Well, and even like let's say that you just actually just took a leak and you didn't take a shit, and then you lit a candle just for the aroma. Mm-hmm. Like, people would just assume that you shit. Yeah, so it'd be bad. Like you're, it's like you know. you're already preemptively getting them like ready for the fact that they're going to be smelling <laughs> poo. Like, I was just gonna say, like, even if you weren't hiding anything, they would they would not only assume that you weren't hiding anything, but that you should have hit it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? It, yeah, it's like uh, <laughs> shooting yourself in the foot that way. Yeah, and you didn't even do it. Mm, yeah, right. <laughs> like I didn't even take a shit. <laughs> they blame you for something you didn't do. <laughs> yeah. You're just trying to you're just trying to light the mood. You know? Yeah. Help out. <laughs> yeah, right? yeah. So mine would probably be um like. Uh, blue Sour Patch Kids, uh, with like the night sweats, Ooh. like that scent, that sort of scent. So you get a little bit of like the right. the sugariness in there, kind of like that. Mm, you know, something smells yeah. inviting, but then you're immediately repulsed by the like nighttime uh, sweats. You said kind of though, so I've got like a dusting of yeah. nighttime sweats in there. Something that like when you go like that, mm-hmm. it kind of poofs. It's enough to like make you like sit up from bed and like kind of <laughs> adjust your shirt, oh, but yeah. not enough for you to change your shirt completely. Yes, the heat that you're that that you're uh emitting mm-hmm. is just enough. Like it's enough for you to not be super uncomfortable. Right. But uh, j- yeah. Just enough for you to wake up from it if you <laughs> yeah. had like a bad dream. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. And you kind of do, do like the thing on your neck. You're like, oh, a little misty. Yeah. 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 But not enough to like, yeah, I don't have to get up and change or. Exactly. You know, uh, wonder what I was dreaming of to make myself sweat this much. Speaking of changing, um, let's change it up in intro. Oh. Welcome, everyone, to the 16th episode of the Neon Crew podcast. My hey, name is it's Kyle. Our sweet 16. Oh, nice. Oh, MTV. Isn't this when we get like a um, like a siesta or something? Wow. <laughs> uh maybe oh uh, la quinceanera quinceanera excuse yeah, me and i think that's for 15 
Oh, is it? I went to one. Yeah. You went to a quinceanera? Uh, maybe it's 16. I don't remember. I was at one of them. Yeah, I went to one. It was at the old VFW. Oh, really? Yep. What was the circumstances? Well, dating a Mexican gal. Oh. Um, I won't reveal names. So, yeah. No, I went there and it was... Um, well, I'm was never... It, on... Was it her quinceanera? It was. It oh. was for her. And it was like... I don't know what role I play in this. Okay. We'd only been dating for a month or two, so I was kind of just there. Oh, that's and then super fresh. She was running around in the dress, you know, and the mm. gifts and kind of being emotional and dramatic and whatnot. You're and, standing uh, in the corner with a nice Sprite, a cup of Sprite. Yep, yep. And, uh, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm probably the whitest guy that they get. So <laughs> I was at, you know, this uh, what, Spanish, Mexican... You know, quinceanera. You you stand out. You stand out. Oh, you can just say that, boy. Howdy. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. So (laughs) if you didn't stand out before, you saying boy howdy definitely (laughs) makes you stand out. It was fun. I mean, it's it was interesting. I think I danced a little bit. Yeah. No, I went to two. The one was cool. It wasn't that bad. But then the other one I went to, uh, I think we had broken up. So there was another girl that I was actually trying to talk to. Oh. So I went there and. It didn't work out, and a fight broke out. So, Oh, conflict at the quinceanera. Uh, yeah, the old VFW. Ooh, yikes. Yep. Um, boy, so anyways. You hate to see it. Anyways. Yeah. Anyways, uh, they would have listened to this for sure, though. I know that much. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Brings back the PTSD of the, the bad times of the quinceanera. <laughs> it sounds like a uh, really bad Scooby-Doo sketch. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> sounds like something James Gunn would write. Oh, wow. <laughs> Um, speaking so, of, uh, I'm of Mac, movies. by the way, I'm going to do that part. I'm Mac. Okay. This there, is Mac. Yeah. We got to bookend that. Yeah. Uh, speaking of movies, um, we got some movie news that I feel like we have to talk but about. Up, up, but up, and up. even though by the time we're talking about it now, and especially when the episode comes out, more news will have been revealed. Well, it will have been aged already. Like it's already like old news. Oh yeah. We're like back. everybody we're behind it. Everybody knows about it. Yeah. We're, we're just catching Dude, up to it. When this happened, uh, news had broke before the Oscars had even ended. And it was, uh, you were, uh, it was, you were reading what you had already seen, but like take out content. Mm-hmm. Like that's how early someone was like, I got to get on this. Yeah. Yeah. Like I, it was like a three, it was like a three sentence article and with the picture and it was like broke first here. And yeah. I'm like, what the fuck? I mean, so it's been, it's been crazy. So if you don't know what we're talking about and I don't know how you wouldn't know what we're talking about by this point, but so the Oscars are the Oscars. The Oscars were last night. The Academy Awards. Yeah. Um, do that one. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I'll do that one. So the Academy Awards were last night. And uh I didn't end up watching it when it was happening. Um, because I've been very busy. I can get into that later. But um <laughs> uh you you happened to watch it live. And, I did. Uh so I, I woke up. And in your night sweat? No, no, just in the morning for work. Oh, because um, I immediately like got home and went to bed. Um, so I woke up for work. Usually I scroll through like Reddit or Facebook or whatever for a few minutes before I leave. And I went on Reddit and every single post from every different kind of subreddit had video footage of what happened. So basically what happened was um, Chris Rock was presenting the award for, I think, best documentary, right? Or documentary short, just one of those two. One of the two. Yeah, 
because he said something about uh, presenting a documentary. But anyway, Chris Rock was on stage presenting at the Oscars, and he was, you know, telling some jokes, as he does. He's Chris Rock. He's a comedian. And he was poking fun at the Smith family, Will Smith, Jada Pickett Smith. And uh, he said a joke, something along the lines of uh, Jada looking like she is going to be in an, in the next like G.I. Jane movie, referencing the fact that she's like got a shaved head or like a bald head or whatever. And it cuts to both Will and Jada uh, reacting to the joke. And Will Smith is like chuckling while people are reacting he to did the joke. The, he did the laugh where there was like, damn, that was a good one. Yeah, like, yeah. He did like a, oh, ha, ha. He, he totally it, got it, us The only laugh. thing he that he missed out on was the finger point at Chris Rock. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So so Will looked like he reacted to it in, in jest, you know, in, in good spirit. But if you look at Jada in that instance, you can tell that she is not happy with the it, joke that was said. She did a half smile, eye roll over like, Come on, like yeah, it was just being childish. Like she was not impressed, you could tell. And then uh, it cuts to Chris Rock on stage, and then he starts reacting to something that you can't see yet in frame. So what they say, from what I read, was that the crowd started booing. There's a couple boos. I didn't. Yeah, I've only so, looked at the video a couple times. But. Yeah, there was there was a couple boos. So he does. He kind of does like one of those where it's like, come on, like that. Yeah, now hey, you think come he's on. talking to Will Smith. That's what, at least what I thought when I first saw it. Mm-hmm. But from what some of the dialogue that I saw uh, today, there were some boos from people in the crowd that thought it was uh, unsavory. Yeah. Anyway, uh, it, it soon happens that that Will Smith just walks on stage while Chris Rock is still up there. Soon, and I mean, just this is all within. Comes up to him and just smacks him open palm in the face and then just slowly like walks back to his seat. And Chris Rock is like visibly shaken by it what happened and like at first when you watch it you can't really like tell if it's something that's like staged did they like plan this sort of thing is this like part of the show but then it cuts back to will in a seat and he's shouting profanities at chris rock to the point where they have to like try to like censor it even though it's live television well they did it on our end yeah they didn't do it in a couple other nations. okay i wasn't i wasn't sure how much of it actually got through because i didn't watch it live when it happened Dude, it was it literally went the joke right mm-hmm. <clears throat> and then you get the joke and then he chris rock kind of does the blah blah you know and then you can see well you know will smith i wasn't even like watching at this point honestly i didn't hear the joke i was just kind of i mean i was talking with my friend and like we're going we we're just going on and on about this and then i heard the yeah and like i looked over and you could see you know opened up boom and i mm. was like did will smith just punch him like <laughs> yeah. i thought it might have been like like chris rock doing like a sound effect yeah because when you first watch it you can't really tell if it's like a punch or a slap I mean, either that, way it's it's a well when but. you see it out of the corner of your eye and you, the body motion coming across and chris rock like and then and then he didn't go down one chris rock has no chris, chin. chris rock mean, took it like a champ like Let's a just, rock yeah we'll yeah. just say that right now chris rock so, took it like a like a champ and I mean, it, th- yeah. Then Wills goes and sits back in his seat, and then he, I think he says something along the lines. He like shouts, "Keep it. my wife's name out your fucking mouth." He yelled it twice. Yeah, yeah. Now yeah. you can in uh, so in like the Amer- like when this is all happening. One, they cut the feed, so it goes from he punches, and then Chris Rock goes like, and then it's like da 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 da, da and it's just showing his face. Mm-hmm. I thought the can I didn't know what was happening. Like you're watching it, it's like 
did he just break something? Like, yeah. What, what is going on? And then you realize, oh, shit, they're delaying the feed. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, he really punched them. Yeah. You know? Because, like, there's that little moment. Of, and, again, I didn't watch it live. But there's that little moment of doubt where, like, is this a sketch? Is this not, like, part of the show? Like, is this real? Like, what's happening? And then it cuts to Will, like, visibly angry and shouting oh, at him. screaming. And there's, like, not really any doubt in your mind left that, okay, well, this is Well, what they real. did, so on our, it was so cool, too, because, like, on our end, so you're seeing, one, they they delayed it for the 5, 10 seconds, and then they cut all audio. So Chris Rock and him were yelling at each other, apparently. Hmm. And I didn't realize Chris Rock was like, wow, dude, really? Like, you're going to get pissed about that? And then Will Smith, but in the, like, watching it, you can see Will mouthing, keep my wife's name out your fucking mouth, and how pissed he was. And then mm. the chick behind him was like. Oh, yeah. And that's uh, kind of when I was like, because I'm <laughs> watching Will Smith, and I was like, all right, maybe he'll do, like, the, yeah, that's what you get, you know, like, one of those. Like, I was like, he looks like an angry man right now. And yeah. then the chick behind him was definitely, like. Oh, yeah, the the girl from uh, Black Panther who played a sister. Yeah, is that who? Yeah, I haven't. Mm-hmm. So I just saw, because I was kind of, you're watching this live. They cut the feed. You're trying to just pick up, like, what is going on. When they cut the feed, I figured this wasn't staged. Right, yeah, it's it's definitely not part of the show. Yeah, because, like, they wouldn't have done that, so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that. I- <laughs> well, I don't, I shouldn't say it like that, though. I have no idea, because there's, like, so when you watch it, though, Chris Rock, <laughs> Well, he's 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 in good like as good of spirits as he can be in a situation like that where someone uh, just straight up slaps him in the face on live television in front of millions of people. There's not much you're gonna do. You're, there's not much you're gonna do. Like you're, <laughs> you're yeah, especially. I mean, Chris Rock's like five five, one hundred fifty pounds. Like yeah, so you're not gonna wet. go take Will Smith on right at that moment. Well, well, yeah. Not only that, but like I'm sure he was just like just startled. Like just oh, sort you of could like, tell he was because like, he didn't even have like a joke to like come back at, you know. He right. didn't really have like a witty reply, you know. He you could tell he was like genuinely stunted. Oh yeah, dude. He, he looked over at one time like, are we still like? Yeah. He looked backstage like kind of like at the production crew like, is this still happening? Mm-hmm. And that's when he, I mean, he hits you with uh, now to hand over the nom or you know he's like not to hand over the Oscar I mean not to hand over you know let's talk about the nominees for the best documentary yeah yeah like yeah you, there was that little bit of and he's like a good showman so mm-hmm. yeah he's like trying to grasp for a way to like get back on track while still oh, it, trying to process what's happening to him it was a big I I saw a funny breakdown of it but the, it was a funny uh the the most classic move after someone takes a joke way too serious is the wow dude really Mm -hmm. really wow you know like it's a joke man what like you know i even had that happen recently where i hit a joke (laughs) like that on someone they like fired back and i was like really really (laughs) yeah you're gonna get defensive about that yeah it's the most like i don't know man well like it's weird because will all will had to do right was just like wait it out Maybe go up to Chris Rock backstage when the show's completely over and yeah. just say, "Hey, man, I really didn't appreciate that joke <laughs> that you made. Uh, I just want to let you know that it's a medical condition. You know, it's not really something that she can control. Oh, they and it's you let's know. Let's face it; they have some shit that's boiled over. For did you see what happened in 2016? What do you mean? In 2016, he goes. To, they were up for uh, a best documentary. And Chris Rock made a joke about Jada and Will at that time too. Poked both fun at both of them. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, threw them, threw him some shade in sixteen on national television, and 
Chris Rock was like, you know, Jada, you're so fucking irrelevant. Like, you could pick at the Oscars, you know, and he's like, it'd be like me picketing, like, you know, Lady Gaga's panties. Like, and I, it ain't happening. <laughs> you know, like, no one gives a shit. Interesting. And then uh, he, he fired back at uh, Jada, though, and was like, I, I get you sicking up for your man because Will wasn't nominated for uh, the best actor for concussion. He goes, but... Don't don't be too upset about that. We handed him twenty million for Wild Wild West. Yeah, <laughs> okay. you know. So they had a little bit of history before that, and I would bet that it's it like kind of carried over. Well, because yeah. like I don't know, just like if if he had just waited it out and like just done it backstage and like, hey man, <laughs> I don't like because like him going on stage and slapping Chris Rock brought even more attention to the fact I, that like he's like sensitive about that sort of thing and now people are just going to clown on him for okay. I mean the other thing too I don't like, know how long now Well the Smiths I mean like they've been dude the, he's holding on to everything he can to still be relevant too Right So I mean whether it was just a blackout up I honestly this is why I have I'm I'm torn with the whole thing I've been talking with friends about it for a while and I still I think it's just We'll see how it shapes up. It could right. be one of those things where this is just kind of like a funny Oscar moment where it's like, damn, you know, remember in 2022? Or it, it has some other repercussions. I don't know. I mean, it's kind of like one of those things. I don't want vanity to play in with this. But, um, you know, he's laughing with – he's laughing. Yeah, that's like, the thing that I confuses me so much. Like, it went zero to 100. Like, like, the camera cuts away, and then all of a sudden his mood just changes just like that. I don't know if it was, like, nervous laughter or, like, I'm just going to go with the crowd on this, saw Jada, and went, like, fuck it. Like, I'm I'm doing this now. Like, I don't know, dude. I don't know how – like, my emotions don't work like that. Right. So I don't think I could be kind of, like, having a nervous laughter go into, like, uh, I'm going to go beat the shit out of this guy. Maybe there was, like, another camera angle that, like, just hasn't been released yet that – like still continued to record them while they were sitting there and like oh. maybe she like leans in whispers in his ear or something and then like he goes on stage and gets pissed. they weren't even if you see it they sit across this table mm-hmm. and how fast it happened i mean it was it's, it's quick it would have literally been like all right uh camera three smash cut and then jada looks over at will like go beat his ass and will just gives him the nod and gets up like yeah yeah that would ha- it would have been how fast that would have that quick of an exchange and that's how quick his emotions change like that's why i was saying like my friend i'm like i don't and that, get. yeah then that's when you have to question like his mental stability too like what what is he going through like but what is going on in this man's not mind not only that though like the reason why, and I know I'm not saying it was staged. The reason why it's one of those like perplexing things that it's like, all right, was this scripted in any way? Um, he gets up there, and Chris Rock one leans into it. Two, you know when you're at like a party, and you're like, you're like, dude, I'm gonna go skinny dipping, or like, I'm gonna do this crazy ass event. And like, someone's like, all right, you got to do it at this time. You know, and how you mm-hmm. kind of like have that like build up into the event and then all of a sudden it just happens mm. like that's what that felt like like it was such a like porous way of just going like uh, all right i'm just taking off my clothes and i'm going yeah yeah yeah. you know like it just felt that's why i was kind of like all right it's one of those quick, things that like yeah you can like picture yourself like you can imagine yourself doing like one of those like ra- irrational like moments of like what's the word i'm looking for just instinct like just see that's what i mean like even instinct like i maybe not instinct but, but you're like, you know how quickly your emotions have to like <laughs> yeah. i'm telling you it you're one you're, all right 
you're on everyone's watching now mm. i don't know what goes through these actors heads either like they're so fucking they're probably so narcissistic and all that well they're shit, they're you know? cut off from like the rest of the world basically they're so, in their own little bubbles god knows how they even like think this could this could have been a high school freaking cafeteria luncheon you know with your parents is how they view it i have no idea mm-hmm. you know what i'm saying like when i do football awards everyone shows up it's like hey i you know i know all you guys like let's just talk about we'll celebrate and then we're out right mm. so like to us as the viewers millions of people are watching and you're putting yourself in will smith's shoes so you're already doing the flip in your head of projecting yourself doing what he doing you're like holy fuck like i can't but to him it might have just been like whatever my thing is how do you go from being that jovial or <laughs> even like a nervous laugh yeah to like immediately gonna pissed. go stand up and beat chris rock's ass on national television <laughs> yeah. like Jesus Christ. You know what I'm saying? Like that. I do, yeah. That switch, it, and you can see it's only three sets. It's, it, it's, it, that's why I really wish there's like, <laughs> I hope to God that there's like another camera angle that's just stayed on the Smiths yeah. for that whole duration. Because I want to see if there's any indication that Jada had him go on stage or whether or not it was like a decision he made himself. He must have. The only my thing with it was that i was like i bet you he looked over at jada saw how uncomfortable she was realized that you know she is putting herself out in front of all these people too and she has an image and he just rage took over i guess yeah but even then like (laughs) dude i don't know to not even be able to process (laughs) that like to have it happen like that i know it's it's so damn quick and it's still like perplexing and it's still pretty new like it's still super fresh i mean obviously when this episode comes out it's going to be a week later but i'm i'm interested to see if any because you know what happens behind closed doors stays behind closed doors i mean i won't be shocked if they had a damaged relationship if rock didn't like the smiths or vice versa like i could see a whole bunch of stuff that we have no idea about and this is getting swept under the rug which is kind of what i hope happens Honestly, just so that there isn't anything that tarnishes this, you know. Do you think, like, do you think Will Smith will make an apology at all? Like, any statement whatsoever about the thing? Or do you think he'll just try to, like, sweep it under the rug? Even though there's, like, thousands of memes made about it already in 24 hours. Um, You know, honestly, I think the PR team might give it a second. <clears throat> he just won Best Actor. So I mean he's true. Got, there's a, he he old, won best actor an hour later and then got a standing ovation. It was right? the weirdest dude. It, I feel like that's such a juxtaposition. It was And didn't he start like I obviously I haven't like seen any video of it yet. I usually like try to watch like a highlights video of the Oscars if I don't catch it. Right. But didn't he like give some speech about like being a vessel for love or something like that? Which it is was very bizarre. A little ironic considering you just un, like unprovoked slap the shit out of somebody he he did he 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 emphasized protecting the actor that he played um richard williams uh protected his family at all costs so he was channeling that um he wanted to be a vessel for love so i think he might have been upset with himself that he let the best get you know come out of him Mm -hmm. get, get let someone get the best out of him or the worst out of him uh and then he played into um being like a family man and he you know i think he'd said love will make you do crazy things so he it's wacky it's so bizarre dude. it is so fucking it'd be like me walking into a classroom sucker punching my friend having him go wow man like that fucking you know the toilet paper was just a prank and then everyone like 
oh, okay, like, cool. You know, and then the te- like walking up to the teacher on the side, not knowing it and just saying, hey, like, we're good. Don't worry about it. And then behind closed doors doing it with my friend. And then everyone just assuming, okay, he just punched the shit out of them. They hate each other. Here we go. Like, yeah, and, yeah. But once again, too, that's in a fucking school of 2,400 kids. Like, not on this is in television. Australia. <laughs> like, Japan had this fucking, like, live audio. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's insane. <laughs> So, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Very curious as to how this will develop, if it will develop I'm, at all anymore. I mean, I'm kind of, I mean, I, personally for me, I'm just hoping that it, it turns into like a fun, funny story of 2022 that, you know, some shit breaks out or Will says, sorry, PR teams don't care. Mm-hmm. And honestly, it just goes away. And then like when you hit next year's 2023 Oscars, it's kind of like a, oh man, you guys remember what happened yeah. last year? Wacky highlight reel. Well, and the other one too is, um, do you remember when they announced the wrong winner? Oh yeah. For, um. It was like uh, it was for Moon Moonlight. And yeah, they announced and La La Land. They announced La La Land. And yeah. I I thought that was stage two because of what they did with um, who did who did who announced Miss Universe? Right? Oh, uh, Steve Harvey. Same year. Mm-hmm. It was like, hey, look at that. That's kind of funny. We That's had kinda... two false winners in different award shows the same exact year. And I think, I mean, if you ask me, I'm like that. Another thing, too, that's crazy, too, and I don't want to go on this too long, but, like, we talk about stage and acting and, like, you know, how could you fake? It's, like, you kind of forget there's still fucking actors. There's the best in the world at acting. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, they have to make us believe when they're in a film that they actually care about what's going on. Like, how hard is it to get something like this going? I don't know. I mean, I have no clue. But, I mean... It's just the fact that it's so bizarre. Just you know, most people yes. believe that it's real. It, certainly, I do. Uh, it's vi- yeah. Well, I'm conf- yes, I'm conflicted. I mean, honestly, I could. There's there's a lot of there's a lot of theories out there that I could see. There's a lot of things. There's a lot. I mean, there's a lot of hard stuff. I have I have a hard time believing. But um, speaking of hard time believing, how about uh, time traveling? Oh, that's pretty believable. I mean, it's it's certainly uh, something that's a little bit of an a- abstract concept. Whoa! But, don't but, know how to spell that word. You know, with abstract concepts, you can express those through different forms of art. And speaking of art, hey, Midnight in Paris. Whoa! You and I uh, watched a movie. I recommended it. Yep. Um, called Midnight in Paris, directed by Woody Allen, and. Uh, <sighs> I picked it because, like I said before in the last episode, I had never seen a Woody Allen movie before. Yeah. And, um, zany. Yeah, yeah. I should preface this that I fully acknowledge the fact that Woody Allen is kind of a piece of shit. Yes. And, uh, a pervy, pervy little bastard. Um, so that, I do <laughs> have a question about that. So, like, the only, so I only know, like, really one major thing. No, no, no. I don't even, we don't even negate it. Let's not even talk about what he did. My bigger question okay. is, he did that. Yeah. Do we all have to act like Woody Allen does not exist now? Or does the work that he created, even though influenced by him, still... I think that when it comes to um, film specifically, mm-hmm. um, it's a lot easier to separate the art from the artist. Because when it comes to film, there's a lot of different people working on it. You know, There's a lot of different hands that it goes through. You know, it's... It's Woody Allen directing it and right. writing it, perhaps too. But it's gone through a lot of different hands to Whoa. become a is final project. Woody Allen on the cinematography there too. Uh, let me verify. No, I'm just kidding. 
Uh, no. <laughs> Darius Kanji. Yeah. No, but that's a good way of putting that. But yeah, it is directed and written by him. So, yeah. Um, but no, like it, it's it's my philosophy that like when it comes to film specifically, it's like it, so many people work on it. Right. You know, it's actors doing their jobs. It's the cinematographer <laughs> doing their jobs. It's, uh, you know, the person who's in charge of the music doing their job. And it, it's a lot more of a collaborative effort. So it's easier to separate one piece of shit guy from sure. that whole entire project. When it comes to music, it's a little different because music is a little more personal. You know, it's a little more that person and supposed to be a reflection of who they are and what they stand for so when chris brown beats the shit out of rihanna uh it's a little harder for me to maybe listen to his music than it would be for me to watch woody allen's films uh, yeah i don't yeah you know <laughs> i don't really get all I, I i mean i shouldn't say it like that i i definitely have my principles or whatever i mean you know I, I'm just curious about it. And there's a lot of stuff I don't think I ever like Chris Brown news. I'm trying to think of like other guys that do like maybe Ted Nugent, but I mean, maybe more of his. I don't know. I don't really know. I guess I don't really hop into it all that often. I was just thinking you said something. I was like, I like Midnight in Paris. I never had a problem with it, even though Woody Allen directed it. And yeah. I thought, wow, does that make me like a pedophile since I like Midnight in Paris? <laughs> no, it certainly does not. Okay, that's um, good to know. No, no, not not at all. And um, you know. It, it is important to like have those conversations because I think it, you know, it, it helps you understand where you fall into it, you know, because everybody's different. Everybody has their personal viewpoints and preferences. Sure. But that's just my reasoning for it. And I'm sure oh, yours is very similar. Uh, no, I didn't have, I actually, I didn't really think about this at all because I don't get, like, people are like, wow, he's a piece of shit. I'm like, yeah, I mean, I, everything he does, but I mean, like, Midnight in Paris, he wasn't dating like a 13 year old. So, I mean, I still view it kind of like, you know, it's, it's, he can still see average or normal relationships, but mm -hmm. I don't know. It's a, it's a good question. So, um, I guess I can give a quick summation to, uh, to Midnight in Paris. Yeah. Um, so, uh, this movie directed by Woody Allen starring Owen Wilson is about this, uh, writer named Gil Pender who goes to Paris with his fiance and, he is very much uh, disenfranchised with being a screenwriter for Hollywood. So he's in Paris with his fiance and he yeah. he is very romanticized about Paris oh and the 1920s and all the different artists and writers that were prevalent Beauty in that time and period. New ideas mm -hmm. and you know, I mean you're putting your your creativity to the pen to paper. Exactly. And He's very much enthralled with, with that time period. And his fiance, uh, played by Rachel McAdams, is uh, very much kind of like a materialistic, doesn't really appreciate that side of things, um, really doesn't appreciate him for who he is. Surface level, <clears throat> and she just likes him because he makes money. Exactly. And so he finds solitude with wandering the, the streets in Paris at night. Mm -hmm. And then uh, all of a sudden, this old-timey automobile drives up, tells him to get in. He gets in, and he finds himself going back in time to the 1920s. Yeah. And then the next uh, day in the morning, he wakes up, and he's back to the present. And uh, the movie is basically about him like going back in time periodically to, to learn more about his own writing and his life ultimately and what he wants out of it. Yeah. And, um, yeah, that's pretty much the gist of that. That's it. <clears throat> Midnight with, in Paris. Without See, going into spoilers. Um, yeah. 
So uh we're going to man, it's gonna happen. Oh yeah, we're getting we're getting deep. Whoa, we're going there. We're we're going there. Just like Will Smith's hand went into Chris Rock's face. Whoa, I was gonna use a Woody Allen joke, but not appropriate. Oh boy. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so, uh, you said you own this movie. Yes. So I'm assuming that you, uh, really like this film. I do. Mm. Well, uh, I will just tell you right now. I love this movie. Whoa. Boy, I, I think this movie is fantastic. It is dude. It <clears throat> go ahead. I, I, okay. So first and foremost, um, and this is usually with stories that involve characters who are writers. Um, I very much appreciated the honest look that it gave someone who is a writer or is an aspiring writer in a film. Because I feel like a lot of times yes. in movies, writers are often caricatured as people who... Drunks, yep, assholes. Drunks, uh, assholes, miserable, pretentious, yeah. douchebags, just totally yes. self-centered narcissistic pieces to, of shit. yeah you just live in this in your cave and you just smoke cigarettes and drink and you try to get out an original idea but you can't so it torments you to the point that it's just you're insanity exactly <clears throat> kill your darlings <clears throat> stop <laughs> and he's talking about a movie <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, oh yeah, I know what you're saying. I mean, yes, that's, yes. it's it's so true. So I mean, here comes. Did you notice how they kept? Call, it sounded like they're calling him Jill. Uh huh. Jill. Yeah. Jill. Jill Pender. Jill. Jill Pender. Jill Pender. Yeah. So and in the diary reading, um, yeah, no. So that's something that I first and foremost like, just right out of the gate, appreciate about this. Film. Were you holding your breath when they were kind of doing some of that exposition? Where you're like, <sighs> a little bit, a like, little bit, because you don't. You didn't know he was a writer going into the film, did you? No. <clears throat> so no, no, no. everything you're learning is all as it's coming. I went into this movie as blind as I could. A bat. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Or a rat pig, as they talk about in the Batman. Ah, uh, yes, a rat pig. Um, the what? What did they say? El rata elada. <laughs> <laughs> so confusing. Yeah, yeah. What's the difference between la and l? <laughs> Am I the only one who knows? <laughs> so I do. Anyway, uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't mean to get off time. <laughs> no, no, it's fine. Um, but uh, yeah, so I, I didn't know much going into this film. Yeah. And honestly, I, I kind of want to talk about the cover a little bit because it's a little deceiving. Not okay. that I'm taking points away from this film, but okay. just because of the fact that the poster is very striking in that the background utilizes Vincent Van Gogh's Starry Night. There you go. And there's was some kind of expectation of involving oh. Vincent Van Gogh in this story. Not in the movie at all. Which There's is well, no reference to it. <laughs> the only time it would have been, and I think it perhaps was in uh Labac, Labac, eighteen nineties, when they go back to the and Yeah, and that's what I was like thinking. So I did a little in that because it ties into the next film that we're gonna talk about. Yes, uh, a little preview. <clears throat> But that was 1890s, and Van Gogh was in the 1890s. Mm-hmm. So um, a little bit. But from that, it's funny that you said that because you said, hey, let's watch at Eternity's Gate. 
And I was like, oh, yeah, like, perfect. It will tie in with this. Because I hadn't watched either of them yet. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so we were wa- I'm watching it, and I was like, I remember there being artists, mm-hmm. but it was Dolly and Picasso. Yeah, it was Dolly, Picasso, uh, maybe, like, one other one, but I, yeah. I'm fuzzy on the details. Yeah, I don't know if Man Ray was an artist or what, but Manuel Buñuel was a director. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so... Anyway, um, yeah, so I, I just loved... The fact that they represented writers in a in a respectful way, um, I also thought the acting was great. Um, there was like one character that I couldn't buy, but it's not it's it's not enough to like detract me from like the movie Who experience. Was it? Uh, I wasn't huge on Adrian Brody's character. Oh yeah, he was. Um, who did oh, he right. play? Rhinoceros. Yeah, Sal- Salvador Dali. He was, yeah. He it felt was, a little too over the top. For it was me. when they kind of hit their, uh, it was that surrealism yeah, little he, mixture. Because Ban, Ban, Manuel, Ban, Bunwell. Um, um, can't find it right now. But, but yeah, he was when a surrealistic director. Dali was a surrealistic artist. And I'm, I don't know what Man Ray is or does. Yeah, yeah. He, he was, yeah, it was the scene where he was talking to the surrealists about how he travels back in time. And they're all, yeah, it makes sense to me. Yeah. <laughs> Which I thought was amusing. It like, was. Yeah. <laughs> like the fact that Adrian Brody, I couldn't really buy him. That sentiment he, made up for it. He was so. Just over the top as doll. I mean, uh, very yeah, much. I've, so. I've got no idea, and it was uh, that. That was kind of like a scene where it's just like, let's just have fun. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, so the acting for the most part, I really enjoyed. I, I liked Owen Wilson and his character. Um, mm-hmm. I, I liked what they went for there. Just this sort of like disenfranchised guy who can see through all the bullshit and doesn't really want to deal with it because he's not confrontational. You know, he's someone who just kind of like goes along with things, but he can also sense when things are very superficial. Yeah. Well, yeah. Like yeah, yeah. Uh, like Michael Sheen's character, Paul, uh, oh my God. the the <laughs> oh. the like guy who tries to be like this sort of uh, well, he's an intellectual. Yeah, he's an intellectual. They call him pedantic throughout the whole. Oh, movie. my God. <clears throat> they go. He's a pseudo intellectual. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you're pedantic friend. <laughs> Which I, I I love the fact that he Owen Wilson gets like these little jabs in every now and again when they're oh, walking around talking about art or paintings or uh, writing or anything of yeah. the sort, you know, because Michael well, Sheen is such a pseudo intellectual up his own so ass. So fucking frustrating too, though, because he'll do that and then everyone just discards it. Yeah, like, he, they it fawn is, over him. Yeah, because it. How dare you? Mm-hmm. I I got really actually frustrated watching that part. Oh yeah, it, it, I really. It, like, <laughs> it's funny that it invoked that reaction out of me. I like it, it, it did I for gnashed me too. my teeth. I was like. These fucks. Yeah. <laughs> How dare you? Yeah. <laughs> you hey. pieces of shit. Yeah. Because well, like Owen Wilson's character would try to say something, you know, constructive about the conversation. And then Rachel McAdams would just go, shh, you're interrupting him. Yes. It's like everyone else is also trying to add to what he's saying. And then all of a sudden Owen Wilson does it and it's a bad thing. Like what? <laughs> yeah. God, Gil. <laughs> Uh, poor, yeah, poor Gil. Well, the best part, the, my favorite part, and I could, I can never remember, but when they're talking about, was it Ro, Rodan mm-hmm. and uh, the mistress, and he was wrong, and he's like, "You're gonna tell the the guide, 
that she's wrong and you're right. Yeah, she yeah. does this every day. Yeah, she's been there. And then, but instead of doing all that, he goes, "No, no, no." I read a two volume book on the. He just can't be wrong over here. So, and there are people like that in real life, and the, which is why I appreciate like the acting and the character well, writing and things I, like that. Well, the reason I like Gil because I mean he, he also knows that it's like all right, we're at a we're at a um, you know uh, a, oh my god, what do you call that? Kind of like oh, it's like, a, like a butting heads. Yeah, we're at a point here where it's so he, he he steps in. He's the voice of like, hey, like you know, I know that you guys aren't going to listen to me, but at least this will move the conversation along. Mm-hmm. We're not agreeing to anyone being right or wrong, you know. And he just comes in, and and then Rachel McAdams is like, when did you read a two volume book, you know, on Rodan? And he goes. Do you th- when do you, you th- think I did? Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. Who who would want to read a two volume book on Rodan? <laughs> <laughs> That's it was so oh it's so great. He's like, come on, I'm just trying to get the shit going. No one wants to listen to freaking was it Pete? Oh, uh, Paul. Paul. Paul talk. God, he's so I. Yeah, yeah, and how everybody fawns over him. So yeah, I really liked Don Wilson's character and the acting. I thought it was good. Um, just the the production value. And I'm a kind of a sucker for this sort of thing, so this is more oh, of like was, a personal preference. No, but I love like the street lamp, sort of nighttime, wandering the streets by he yourself vibe. Captured the whimsicalness, I yes, of, and the romanticism. Yes. I mean, you get that this is where it's going, and the op- so the thing opens up, and it's just pictures of Paris. The one let you know where you're at, but two, it's got that music and the music. The music beautiful. is beautiful. Yes, the and music is another light thing I loved fluffy, about it. And it just it kind of it's whisking you away down the streets, like you're almost an airstream, mm-hmm. just going across, like floating. And it's, dude. It, I mean, it, and it's like, oh, Woody Allen is going to just romanticize the shit out of Paris, and this is probably like some of his own feelings about the that time. Yeah, absolutely. you know, and you get that you get that feeling that this is how he views this 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 um, area, this they, they, culture. Yeah, they shoot it in a way that's very much from the perspective of Gil Pender. Yes, and I think that helps you a lot to appreciate what the film's going for, not only like visually but thematically too, because mm-hmm. you get that wonder from him like right out the gate like you were saying with all the different shots of paris and the inviting like lights and the the mm-hmm. streets and sort of like the cozy little cafe setup that yeah. they have at like the different street corners like it's very effective oh it was i mean it was it very uh, i don't want to say intimate but i mean it definitely it helps you don't get the grandiose picture of paris and you don't just see the eiffel tower you actually right. get to walk the cobblestone you actually get to see the different colors you know the cafe shops the nostalgia that is like you get very immersed into what you're watching you honor i was in i mean every that's why i think i really like the film too because it's such a dessert mm-hmm. for the eyes and for just the subject matter isn't too crazy all the characters are fun. Mm, yes. you know, there's a little bit of some introspection that could go on in your life, but not enough to make you question reality. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just a really nice. Like, I seriously, I got some notes, but I mean, I I just stopped taking notes, and I always do that with this film because I'm like, there's not a lot of it is just very much. It's a dessert. I mean, I honestly think I mean the experience. It, it, yes, yes, mm-hmm. yes. absolutely. So, I mean, you know, but there are some characters that. I love. Mm-hmm. Um, I really liked um, Marianne Cotier's character. Who was Adriana? Oh, okay. Um, I I really enjoyed 
her character and his fixation with her and that sort of like reciprocity of like her side towards him. And because like for the first half of the movie, you can kind of sort of like justify in your own head. Okay. Maybe this is something that he's dreaming. Maybe this is something that like really isn't real. And then you get to the part where uh, he finds the journal and he takes it to the tour guide and she's reading through the journal. And all of a sudden she reads the sentence, I met this American writer. His name is Jill Pender. Yeah. And you realize all of a sudden, holy shit, this is real. He's actually going back in time and yeah. interacting with all these famous people, like writers and artists. And he's also like interacting with Adriana in a meaningful, actually real way. You know, it's not something guess, that yeah. he's making up in his head. You know, th- those feelings are genuine. Yeah. And so that really like flipped a switch with me watching this film. Like, Oh shit! Like this is actually like a fantasy movie in in some cases. Like, and and it you know it does a good job of like introducing that while not you know feeling like a tonal shift in any way. True. Mm-hmm. I mean, I guess yeah. I mean, it's I was it's funny because I was kind of thinking about it as the movie was going along. Because I, I don't. I mean, honestly, I watched this movie probably. It's I've seen it probably three four times. You know, mm-hmm. so once every couple of years you could throw it on and it's a really. It's a good probably Sunday or or you know late you know like if I watch yeah like if it was like nighttime and I was like you know what I'm just gonna get into pajamas get a nice cozy blanket get like you know yeah. hot cup of coffee because it's cold out or hot like, cocoa Do you know hot cocoa say, yeah, yeah yeah no no yeah. plus I don't drink coffee anyway so oh that was a bad real bad example yeah really uh, inaccurate of who I am <laughs> wow what goes on in your fantasies <laughs> um certainly not things that apply to real life <laughs> I'll tell you that <laughs> uh um yeah but yeah so I mean like uh you know it's and and watching it I kind of was thinking all right are they going to um pull in that history side of it you mm-hmm. know and i had no I, I really didn't but you know to me it wasn't to me it was it, it's it's a lot of like jill or jill gill however it goes they yeah yeah both <laughs> he's referred to as both you're yeah. right it's a lot of gill like learning from yeah. these different famous writers and painters and artists and it's a lot of like okay he's meeting like these really big names these famous people and you get the gravitas of how famous they are but at the same time it's still gill's story it's still right. from his perspective and you never feel like there's a character who overshadows him or like takes over maybe no. ernest hemingway a little bit in a few scenes but he they kind of just drove it home that that's his personality yeah no they they made him and i was <clears throat> i was talking to someone i was like they make him really one-dimensional mm-hmm. but it's still i love that one dimension mm-hmm. he's my favorite character in the whole thing I, yeah he was very fun and i think it it serves a purpose too like going back to just yeah, focusing yeah. on gill like you don't need that extra dimension with like the famous artists and writers and things like that because it's very much gill's story i don't think any one of them were outside of their one dimension. Mm-hmm. I don't really think even like, like Gertrude Stein. Yeah, you know, Kathy are, Bates. Yeah, the only one I think that that you get a little bit of that sense is Marion Cotillard mm-hmm. when they go and walk, and then she gets in, which dove into the golden age irrationality. Yes, um, you know, and that's where she kind of shows her a little bit of her true colors, and then you really get. I mean, I thought that was the. 
Yeah. Yeah, the the themes of this movie I really like too. Oh, just kind of going into that. His journey. I mean, you get to that I I can never remember like watching this like what his oh, it's so that he could break up with his wife and understand that to be a writer, I mean, you know, you need to dive in a little bit more about yourself and it's more about who you are and getting out into on paper what you believe. Mm-hmm. Kind of what Hemingway's proposing, right? Versus living in the superficial world of playing off what people want mm. or what makes sense or what makes you happy because it, it won't make you happy. So Hemingway brings out that the truism in you and, uh, you know, um, the journey. So that, that's kind of what I learned in this viewing was like, oh, his journey is into his own irrationale. Yes. And Paul brings up the golden age thinking mm-hmm. at the very beginning and then they get to the end. That's totally like the theme of the entire movie. Well, <laughs> now you you know it's going to be like that, but the best part is he says every generation's like that. So mm-hmm. you, how are you going to go into the 1920s and say, that's how they do it, right? Right. But then he does it. Mm-hmm. And he's like, the 1890s. And then, you know, you know, Gil's like, what? No, I don't want to be here. Let's go back to the 20s. And she's like, oh, no, the 20s suck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's that sort of like wanting to escape through nostalgia, which is yeah. just such a prevalent theme throughout the whole film, which I really enjoyed. And that's and I probably half of like why he did it in Paris too. Cause I mean that, mm-hmm. that you just look at now he, they probably, I mean, they had select areas, right? You know, but like it screams culture. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So. Absolutely. Yeah. The theme I, I was like really a, a big fan of, cause like he, he even like writes a, a, a novel or like a manuscript about nostalgia and how like the guy runs a nostalgia shop that was his book yeah that was what he was Mm -hmm. and and so he like goes back in time experiences the 1920s as like a way of escape from his current situation because he's always the happiest when he goes back Mm -hmm. and then marion cotier takes him to the 19 or the 1890s and she's infatuated by it the same way that he's infatuated with the 1920s. Like you said, mostly just reiterating what you were saying, basically. Yeah. Yeah. No, you're that's, it's the one thing that I, and I didn't realize like when you watch this, it's kind of hard to pick his, I mean, obviously, you know, he's going to go through some transformation, Mm -hmm. but it's like, well, what's he going to gain from this? And the best is that he's like literally talking. He's like, wow, I just had a revelation. Yeah. Cause like towards like most of the movie, like he's, he's using going back in time as like an avoidance to avoid the conflicts that he knows that he needs to confront. And, of course, at the end of the movie, he finally confronts it and does it in a way that's, like, just ripping a bandage off almost. Like, the way that they shot that scene and they they filmed those actors. with the parents and the... With the the parents and the fiancé. Like, just, just ripping the bandage off, basically. Like, I know you're cheating on me, and I'm done. I don't, I don't want to not live in Paris. Like, I want to live here. Yeah. And the way that they all react is very much like, not that they're like extremely pissed, but it more of like, well, oh, it's an inconvenience. Even, <laughs> like, parents didn't even care. Yeah, yeah. Like they were just At very point, nonchalant the, about she's it. She's like, you're a, someone called him like a goober. And he's like, oh, actually, the dad's like, yeah, no, I'm, I'm the first that called you a goober. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and she's like breaking up with their daughter. And they're engaged. Yeah, yeah. Like it wasn't like. Like it should be a bigger deal than it feels oh my, like. Yeah. And they were like, well, good. One was like good riddance. She's like, oh, my God. Now I have to go find someone else now. Yeah, yeah. yeah like it was such a. Yeah. No, it fit the script. Uh, I it fit, yeah, it fit the tone of what they were going for, which is like once you 100%. confront those difficulties, it's just going to feel like you're you're ripping a bandage off, doing doing something you know that you should be doing. Yeah. No, that's exactly, I mean, I just. 
I had really Re- referring to uh, the. I'm just the looking notes. at some of the stuff. I, I put great contrast between the parents and the the couple. Mm-hmm. You know, um, yeah, there's a couple things so. where we've talked about. It. I mean, and a lot of it is, um, you know, some of it is Western. I don't even want to say because I don't. It, not Western or Eastern. I don't know really where Paris fits in it. Probably with some Western ideologies, but not too Western. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, pretty Western. You know what I'm saying? But mm-hmm. I mean, it's kind of it's there's such there was such a difference in contrast. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I really I really like that, and I liked how they they how they use Paul and use the uh, the parents, the couple, um, you know, versus kind of what he what he saw. And mm-hmm. I think he, he valued originality more than anything. Yeah, yeah. I he, really uh, I really like the whole. Um, Paris is beautiful in the rain sentiment that they, yeah, uh, that was a, like a running theme throughout the movie. Not necessarily like a theme, but just like a sort of, um, sure. it was, it was a st- reference, I guess. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Cause like she was very much dissatisfied with it. She's like, oh, how can you like getting wet? And like, how can you like the rain? And he's like, I think it's beautiful. You know, his, well, there's his something, Owen Wilson voice, something natural versus material, mm-hmm. you know? I mean, it's, and he he does like get that like happy ending that you feel he deserves. You know, he he mm-hmm. meets the girl who is that I think it's like a record shop, like a little record stand, nostalgia shop, mm, nostalgia shop. I mean, basically, right? I, it, She's selling she old music. I had I was watching. I was like, <laughs> it's kind of funny how Woody Allen has all of this shaping up. And I was like, I mm. wonder if the book that Gil was working on is what we are seeing. Right, you that's know, interesting. It, and I'll have to look for it on another watch. Well, you so the thing like you, they don't dive into the book. That's the thing. The mm-hmm. only thing they talk about is the opening sentence. He's he works at an nostalgia shop. Now, obviously, he doesn't. Mm-hmm. Right, the gal he meets does. Right. So, and then Gertrude Stein says, "I really like, you know, if you change up the first three chapters, right? So that first three chapters could actually be how the movie's ending." Okay. As opposed to, you know, that growth that the 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 um introspection that he has with the golden age and breaking up with his fiance. That could be the revision of his book and obviously you don't know how the rest pans out because mm-hmm. they never talk about it as an audience member we're never exposed to it, mm-hmm. but we do get a little bit of the gist. So, it was just something fun for me to think about cuz I, I with you it's like yeah, they shaped history, you know, so obviously it kind of, you know, it was a fantasy and it actually turned into like he is going back in time, mm-hmm. you know. To me, it was still it was all in his head for the most part. But these characters he was learning about as he was going through through uh, Paris, mm-hmm. you know. So, but it's still, it's still kind of hard to explain, you know how how do you get to know more about Hemingway or how do you get to know more about F. Scott without yeah. actually meeting him? So, I mean, that's where I still teeter. But yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. it, it was just it's a fun thought to have that you know. It's his book. He writes it out. He meets the characters. They have some sort of change, and then the way it all ties together, yeah, is very satisfactory. Was there anything that you had as far as like criticisms with this? The film? time travel. Uh, the first, the first fucking time. Uh, I had, I I knew. I was like, God, I don't remember if it's a fog that he kind of gets into or what. It's just sitting there that that fucking old timey car pulls up and it's, I was like, yeah. okay, cool. And then all of a sudden, it, hey, come here, come here, Americano, drink, come yeah, drink, it's let's very, go. Very like instant. <laughs> and I'm well, not only that, but I'm like drunk American in a foreign country. Like, don't know how inviting anything is to just get up 
a little inebriated and hop in a car with a bunch of strangers right that right. are also drinking insisting that you join them yeah now i know what they're going for because it's supposed to be that fun element of you know the the, the, the mystery of it all if mm-hmm. you will kind of you know just going to a random house party and hopping in and kind of not knowing anyone and being able to kind of be yourself essentially because you have no one that has expectations of you i get that mm-hmm. but like I thought maybe it could have been done differently or something. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. I don't know. I just, <laughs> a I was like, more gravitas. Well, it's just literally like, man, I don't know if I'm getting in that car with like, and I don't know. I mean, I could, I couldn't. But after mm-hmm. like three bottles of wine, I'm literally falling asleep on the steps and someone's like, come on, come on, let's go. You're it's like, like all right. Yeah, <laughs> like, or like, hey, am I getting jumped here? Or yeah. What's this turning into? You going to steal my clothes? <clears throat> Throw me in the river? <laughs> what's going on? Um, so what about you? Did, is there any? That, I mean, and honestly, I think that's probably about my only criticism. Okay. Uh, for me, um, I mentioned it before, but I thought Adrian Brody's character, um, Salvador mm. Dali, was a little, little too, I guess, cartoonish for me. I'll and, take a scoop of that. Yeah. Yeah, and also, I, I visually, I love this film, and cinematically, mm-hmm. I think it's like gorgeous. But I do wish there were like a few like more interesting shots or like different types of shots because you were going to fucking bring that up at the end of the day. It is like a, like a comedy still. Right. So it's very much kind of shot like a comedy in that it's not very like complex. It's still visually interesting with like the production design with like the lighting and the, the different moods that it sets and look like the music that's accompanying it. Mm -hmm. But Visually, I wish there was a little more going on for it, at least with like a few scenes that happen. You know, it doesn't have to even yeah. have to be like a whole lot. It can just be like, you know, something a little more like, you know, making this comparison, but like a little more Wes Anderson y, where like there's a different, like a couple different types of shots <laughs> happening that make it unique and like stand out on its own. Yeah. I don't know. That's just, no, I, that's just my preference. Well, and he, I mean, he, directed it so you know mm-hmm. i think it lies more within the uh the writing and the, the characters you right know? and that's very much like the strength of the film i agree with i agree with you though i mean it, that's i had a, i didn't write it down but i put it was like cookie cutter but i think that's almost some of the appeal that you get with it is that it he doesn't need to have that to keep you engaged right you are still i mean and it as you watch it though i mean you're kind of like oh man there's not a lot of different camera angles going on or things at work no you know and it's yeah. kind of your standard there's a couple like i know that they're walking they have a couple tracking shots as they paul is explaining stuff um but yeah in terms of like uniqueness no but i mean it was the same thing though it's like you know you're gonna get a souffle right like and it didn't like detract from the experience really at all. I just right. it would have been nice to have that sort of differentiation. Yeah, and I agree. I mean, I it, I do feel that there it, yes that there wasn't enough of it, but it yeah to me I I will not take a scoop of that. Mm. Uh, what would you rate it? Oh gosh, I think I have this one at a um, it's at an eight or a nine out of ten. I mean, I can't. I have it on an imdb. Imdb. Um, not a ten. But it's, and I think maybe it's only because there isn't a, it's, dude, it just goes down so damn easy. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's really just. It's a very good comfort movie yeah. in a way. And I don't think there's a little bit, <clears throat> I mean, I guess you have a little bit of the, 
some thought, some introspection on it, but I mean, not enough to make me really question anything. But I mean, the characters are fun. Mm-hmm. It's a dessert. I'm just gonna say it's a dessert. I mean, it's a dessert film. Like it, it's it's easy. It's delightful. It's you can't. There's nothing going wrong. And I don't even think it'd be interesting outside of the person directing it to have someone that would spark an argument about it, or if you were watching it with someone, have a heated argument about what they were saying. Right. Maybe the only thing would be um, Paul and his fiance's relationship. Or maybe how he ends it. I could see a girl being a little, but I mean, it's kind of hard to. Agree yeah, with that. even that at that point, it's like, it, yeah, you'd you'd have to really look hard to find that kind of discourse. I feel like. Yes, that's what I'm saying, <laughs> and I don't, and, I, and honestly, like it's, I don't think even like us, I, don't, I can't even think of anything to argue with him about. I mean, like I, I wasn't a big fan of Dolly. I thought he was way over the top, mm-hmm. and like I did, I had the camera angles written down. I'm like, I'm gonna forgive it just because of. You know, it's mm-hmm. very pleasing to watch, and I never got disengaged. So, I mean, other than that, I don't think there's... That's what I'm saying. It's light and fluffy, and it's nice, it's easy, and the characters are fucking fantastic. It tastes good, it smells good. Love Hemingway. His mustache was killer. Dude! I'm just going to say that right fucking Oh, my now. God! His mustache was banging. How about your introduction <laughs> with Hemingway, too? <laughs> are you courageous and brave? <laughs> yeah, like, it was very striking. I died, and he just sits there and he's like, I died with you know these guys and they died in the mud and it was courageous and brave. But if you die for one's country, that's not brave. <laughs> but these guys had, and I'm like, dude, he, yeah. Uh, Hemingway in this is fantastic. Yeah. And I feel bad for that guy too. Cause Corey, I, Corey Stahl. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know exactly. It hasn't, it hasn't blossomed into the career that I would have liked Ernest Hemingway's career to blossom into. Yeah, but... He he had an impact, that's for sure. Oh, so good. Mm. Favorite character. So he wasn't so he's gotta be like top three for you, right? Um, Owen Wilson, uh, Marianne Cotier, and yeah, probably him. I, would I, say. I was about to say. There's yeah, there's really nobody else really who like stuck out too much to me as far as like being a really kind of like interesting figure in the movie. Right. You I know. Mean, yeah. Everybody played their part and they played their part pretty well. But he was very standout just for like his personality and the differentiation of like just was what he brought to the table. Michael Sheen's the guy's name? Yeah, he played Paul. I think he might be my second or third. Okay. Out of my hate for him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just for how he made you feel. Yeah, but I was just like, I'm just now thinking about that. I was like, damn, that's pretty good to make me <laughs> like. Yeah, you like, have this sort of visceral reaction towards this character. Oh, my God, when he first gets on the sc- Yes. So, very, very punchable. What, uh... <laughs> What uh, what 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 um, number? What would I rate do it? You have for it? Yeah, mm. I give this film a ten out of ten. Baby. That's a ten! Wow! Bada bing! Been a while since I've heard a ten out of ten. I love this film. I think I'm going to add it to my top fifty favorite movies list. Wow! Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm going to tell you right now. So you got that? My the the. The PMC, the Parker Movie Classic. Mm. <laughs> I was wondering what that stood for. Yeah. Careful, Mac. <laughs> there are females listening. Whoa. Uh, no, the... the <laughs> I don't even know if I can call it that now. The Parker Movie Classic. Mm. Um, for me personally, if it gets added to my binder, solid. I can't wait to see more of this binder as we we go go along this journey oh it's yes i was about to say i got there's a shit ton of movies in there Mm -hmm. i would think now some of them have made their way in there just kind of you know like 
Goodwill. Oh, yeah. You know, you Bar- to, bargain bin? Yeah, or how you have to hold Cherish history, hold on to it, even if it's not good history. You know, you yeah. still, you know. It still had a part of you and shaping. Yeah, shaped who you are yeah. a little bit. Uh, yeah. So, anyways. Anyways. Uh, yeah, the PMC. Um, PMC they, also could stand for Pretty Mad Character, which is what oh. Vincent Van Gogh is. When we're talking about At Eternity's Gate, which is another film that you and I watched. Yes. Um, this is kind of something that we just decided to watch because we thought it would kind of sort of fit the theme of like art and talking about artists and the different struggles they go through and how that could relate to Midnight in Paris. Spoiler alert, it really doesn't. Yeah, uh, no. It just so happens that Van Gogh's Starry Night is on the poster for Midnight in Paris. So yes. I thought, oh. It will have to do with Vincent Van Gogh in some way. We'll talk about At Eternity's Gate also. Yeah. Um, Great. Yeah. It was like, oh, <laughs> sweet. And I got, there's two things that you're going to see, the pre-Mac and after-Mac. Mm. What, can you give a definition to uh, each? Learning a little bit about Van Gogh because I had no clue what he did or why he, anything about Vincent. I had no idea. Like, Zero. Mm-hmm. Zero clue as to this dude. Yeah, I really didn't know much about him either. I knew that he was on the younger side. And I obviously I, I knew like know a, that. A, yeah, a couple of paintings that he did. So Right. So this movie um is directed by uh Julian Schnabel, uh is his name. Forgive me if I'm pronouncing that name wrong. Uh and stars Willem Dafoe as Vincent Van Gogh. And Vincent Van Gogh died when he was 37 years old. And this movie came out in 2018. Yes. Willem Dafoe is currently 66 years old. Yes. It's interesting that they decided to cast him as a character who is supposed to be 37. Now... Yes. I mean, at that time, what was the average life expectancy for? Um, I can look it up. Uh, we have the technology. Uh, Versus now, because if you look at like maybe the percentage that they're at, so if your average life expectancy back then was 50, you've lived 70, almost three quarters of your life, where right now you could almost maybe make the same argument about it. Granted, when you read 37 in 2022, you're like, why did they cast Vincent Van Or So William the average Dafoe? life expectancy, I just looked up uh, 1890 yeah. just to be safe. And the average life expectancy is 42 years old for that time period. In 1890? Yes. Okay, so he, I, could, I can see it now. Yeah, yeah. I could definitely, I can see it now. But it's still like... I agree with you. It's, I 100%. Yeah. <laughs> don't worry about it. I read 37, and I was like, why did they do that? Well, okay, so I guess we can... Uh, do you want to give like the synopsis of this film before oh, we like, sure. dive deep? Yeah. All right. Uh, the synopsis. This is... Uh, so it's at Eternity's Gate 2018. Robert Schneebel? Uh Julian. Julian Schneebel. Uh Essentially, what we're doing is chronicling kind of the last year, couple years of Vincent's life. Mm-hmm. Um, it... Di- it Yes, it opens. There's a little bit of a cold open where um, there's, a, there's a moment that happens, which I didn't get, and then it turns into um, him him in Paris 
or I don't au revoir, something like that, where he's where we kind of find out that he is just a painter and he started up a community and really it's just learning more about him as he goes forward in the last years of his life. I mean, mm-hmm. that's kind of, and it, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a very deep look into like sort of his mental state, how it deteriorates over the course of, you know, the end of his life. Right. And just sort of the underappreciated nature that he has to deal with in the fact that like he, he loves painting and he calls himself a painter, but nobody likes the art that he makes or appreciates the so artwork that he funny does. contrast yes to what we were what we did watch yeah yeah exactly um i watched this back to back you watched it back to back okay yeah. i think i watched at eternity's gate two days after two or three days after was so midnight was still fresh but not nearly as fresh as yours right um so what i got a lot of shit on this Go uh, ahead. yeah me too trust okay. me um Ooh. so what did you think of this film I thought it was uh, incredibly dragging and enthralling. I might have the same opinion. I thought it was, I thought it was all right. I thought it was okay. Yep. Like. Uh, okay. <laughs> I've thought about this one more than I have a lot of films I've seen in the last like three years. I could tell you brought notes. You brought like a Dude, whole notebook. It's, it's just there's some. There, the whole experience. That's why I don't know if it, and it's not like the writer did anything and it's not like I'm moved by Van Gogh's life. It's just kind of everything that you take from the film and you find out about this, this person that you really have no idea. I had no idea anything about him. I mean, I still don't know if I do. There's been a couple things that I've learned about and like going through it. Like just finding out he was 37. Right. You know, there's a lot of fresh takes that you have on this film. And the film itself is not like it's engaging. It's so like so okay. <laughs> so I, you thought it was all right. I thought it was okay. There were things I liked about it, but I definitely have my issues. Okay. So do we want to get into like the the positives first? Dude, just, I guess just rant, just so, riff, and okay. I'll, I'm gonna fucking I'll hop off, hop on, do this, do that. All right. Hell, I might even go back to Midnight in Paris and talk <laughs> about it, and then jump back into this one. That'd be fine with me. <laughs> so, um, at first and foremost, I love Willem Dafoe. Of course, one of my favorite actors, and I think oh, yeah. he, despite the age differentiation of what the character is supposed to be versus what Willem Dafoe is. I thought he carried this film he, on his back. I thought that he, well, he whenever he, well, he basically has to, but like no other element really impressed me as much as his acting. Um, I thought that he was very compelling as his character. I thought that like when he goes into like his monologues of like why he loves painting or like why he loves these different artists that he admires and aspires to be like, I thought yeah. was really like engaging i i I always but that's more of like a testament to like willem dafoe's acting than the film yeah i had uh i mean if we're going off that no i thought he was i thought he was good in this i'm not gonna i'm not gonna say i didn't i did not nearly have the same appreciation you did i thought he was a little pretentious in this but it's also it's hard to capture art Mm -hmm. with art and especially like some of some of the performance felt like this is like a, a like a theater play 
you was know, that more so like the acting or maybe like the it was probably the direction and the direction but it yeah. definitely felt and the only reason why i say the acting because i think william, william defoe really bit his teeth in this and uh, wanted to do this oh i'm sure like i bet you he has some sort of appreciation for van gogh mm-hmm. and probably was like i would love to you know and that's where i kind of get into channeling you know direction but also it's Yes, it's, like you and think it's not, his passion kind of overshadowed his uh, the mark that he tried to make. Yes, I actually have that written down. I I put this feels like a passion project for William Defoe. Like okay, this this was definitely something where it, this is your shot at an Oscar again, mm-hmm. or you know, and I, yeah. but I don't I, listen. I don't, and I don't think it was bad though. I, there are parts right. that he's dragging, and there are parts that are compelling. I mean, it's. The, the subject matters what's so heavy. Yes. And there is really no uplifting part about it. I mean, they even tie in that, you know, uh, there's beauty and sorrow. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's what makes you human, you right. know? And I was like, boy, you know, I hate when guys go that route. <laughs> <laughs> like, the, you, could, you summed up the whole movie right there. Awesome to be sad. Oh, boy. <laughs> and, like, feel depressed. And it's like... It's cool to hate the world. Yeah, that's... It took it took ninety minutes for them to get that out, and then when they did, I kind of went like, "Okay, <laughs> that's what I've been experiencing." Uh-huh. So, but yeah, um, that was you like. So you like the fall. So man. I like the foe. Um, what do you rate the fall out of ten? I as give, far as like his acting, I'm giving. I'd film? give him a seven. Honestly, I think it was just above. It was just above. I would right probably give him yeah, probably around like an eight. Okay, like so maybe close. a little bit higher. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. and I, you know, he, it is, he is like the best part of the film for me personally. Like, well, I mean, he's only, it's, <laughs> well, it is I mostly him, saying. but yeah, I know yeah. what you're saying. There's like, there's a lot of things. Yeah. There's a lot of different elements that I felt like did not nearly live up to what they were going for. So like another thing I kind of liked was I liked some of the cinematography stuff that they tried to do Dude, like some of it, it not all of it i thought a lot of it was very pointless it felt like it didn't have a purpose a lot of the time when it goes to that first person perspective of him walking through the woods and that minecraft ass music playing <sighs> during the entire thing where it's just someone it's like someone took a like p- a stick <clears throat> and they just like hit a piano in the different keys they didn't know what keys they were hitting but they knew that they were like maybe progressing to something like if you wanted to capture melancholy and and, and sadness i listen to it yeah like, close your eyes and listen to that thing play for it just feels empty <laughs> it feels very well, empty and I think, which is maybe what they were going I'm telling for. <laughs> so it's funny that you bring that up because i honestly think that they did the camera the way they had it they were shooting it for a very personal intimate effect but they were also giving you kind of that perspective of what it's like to be maybe a little mad or insane. Mm-hmm. You know, like we don't, no one sees the world like that. So we were living through his eyes and his mind saying maybe that's how he view, like that's how he sees it. And the best thing you could do is make a, a disjointed camera angle. Yeah. You know, so I kind of, I had, I, I was seeing, I was like, maybe they, they're going through this because it's one, it's a very intimate and personal look in his last days. And the other is to have it having this, you know, disjointed, this close up uneasiness. You're always on. It's swirling. It's you know, you're never fixed. The mind's never right. It's mm-hmm. always kind of you know teetering, and you're always you're always moving from one spot to the next. 
and it it, it kind of keeps you. That's I mean, it kind of ke- kept me engaged. I was fucking sick of it, but like it, I was like, yeah. And that's honestly, I thought like I was like halfway through. I'm like, are we gonna like get off the camera? Yeah, and go? are we gonna change it up a bit? Because yeah. like it just feels stale after a while. Agreed. Like it feels so repetitive and. It, that's why I say I like some of the cinematography because I get what they were going for. Yep. I get that they were trying to get you through the mind of Vincent Van Gogh. Right. I almost said Picasso because I'm still thinking about Midnight in Paris. Oh, come on, we gotta you gotta move on. Yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> he saw Rome. I saw. Oh, 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 oh fucking deep dog. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but I get what they were going for. Yeah. But I, for the most part, don't think it worked for no. me personally. No. I I just thought that it was very repetitive and it, it didn't feel like there was a point to a lot of it Have like you him ever... wandering through the woods just with that music playing for five minutes straight before it cuts to him actually doing something Dude, he lays in a field takes dirt and dumps it on his face yeah, i know i remember that, that was scene. a two and a half minute scene like I'm, <laughs> that's why i didn't like that's why the it's, acting for the felt... i was like I get it. It felt it's, very like artsy for the sake of trying to be artsy. Yes. Like it, it felt like, I, I don't want to say style with no substance, but it's like the closest thing I can kind of like reference to. I have no idea why they were, there's one time he's sitting in a field, a, a field and the grass, it's just wind and he's laughing and he's kind of with his finger and they, they held the shot for 40 seconds and I'm like, what the fuck are we watching? Yeah. Like, like and, and you know, Someone, I could see someone seeing that movie and having it be like one of their favorite films, and them going, "No, you just don't understand what they were going for. They were going for like his appreciation of life and nature, and the things that he saw were things that he saw, and that not anybody yeah. else could share with his vision of yeah. what he saw." And it's like, okay, even if that was the case, present it in a better way. <laughs> I don't, and I, I don't know. I that's the thing too because it's like I don't know how I guess I would have I it's funny because I picked I picked up on it that first and it's actually one of the things I like but his first painting of the shoes oh yeah I liked uh I really liked I, I liked that paintings. moment and yeah. I liked and it was like right at the beginning and you definitely get a feel for who he is as a person and mm-hmm. how he kind of like there sees are, there are moments in this I, I didn't mean to cut you off you're sorry. good dude keep going <laughs> that's what i'm saying we're talking about at eternity's gate and we both have a lot of shit to say about it which makes it compelling right there are moments in this film that i really like yes like him painting the shoes or like his conversation with mads mickelson oh yeah like <laughs> <laughs> which i forgot that he was in the, like i saw I, I saw the the cast for this movie and i said to myself oh mads mickelson is in this Totally forgot oh, he was joy. in it until like the last what twenty minutes of the film. Ah, uh, like somewhere 30. in there. It's right before he goes. He gets released from his uh, the ment- mental institute that his brother was playing for, and they mm. get him to I think back to Paris or there's something. There's a couple cities around there. Like the the one I kept reading was Arbois or something like that. Yeah. Um. Let me. I'm on the page so I can okay uh, verify. Yeah. Real so quick. Mads is in there. Mads is playing uh, like a Arles or Arles. Arles. I don't know. I'm not gonna even try it. Um, a R L E S. Yep. And uh, I'll just, I'm going to ugly American right there. Um, hmm. You know, so that's why I, I he, he was fantastic. And they're talking about um, some deep shit mm-hmm. real quick before you go on because I just want to, it was a really funny joke. So they're talking and he's like, how do you see it? And they're just kind of, you know, and they're going back and forth. And it, it, Vincent is trying to tell him how he just interprets the world and what God gave him, mm-hmm. you know, and 
Mads is holding up one of his paintings and he literally looks at the painting and he looks at Vince and he goes, it's trash. <laughs> it's <laughs> yeah. garbage. It's, this, is, um, this is disturbing to the eyes. Yeah, he looks at him and he goes like, and I don't mean to offend you, but um, it, it is uh, very, very ugly. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was like thinking about that though. That'd be a funny meme to have it. And then like, cause they look at it and then the meme it and then have it be like two stick figures fucking or something. <laughs> I, I don't mean to be offensive, but um, it's very ugly. <laughs> and then it's smash cut. It's a picture of Will Smith smacking Chris Rock. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I was like, I was dying. That's probably the hardest I laughed in the whole film. Cause I was like, boy, you know, <laughs> Heart is or art is so controversial, and just to be like, this yeah. is an absolute. This sucks. Yeah. <laughs> like, well, you can tell that like the film is like kind of trying to build up to like somebody like directly telling him, "Hey, I don't think your art's very good." Because like you get the scene with the I, kids yeah. making fun of like his roots that he's painting, and then you get his argument with um, uh, Oscar Isaac's character. Yeah, Paul Guigan, like. You get those like buildups, so you know it's coming, and then when it finally does come, you're like, okay, you can like kind of feel like sympathy for him in this case, where like he's yeah. like someone's actually acknowledging the fact that they don't like his art. It's yeah, I I guess I had a different take than you did. Okay, oh, yeah. I had a little bit more. Now it's because I just didn't know a lot about Van Gogh, but I mean, you know, he he didn't become relative till after his death. I mean, yeah, he didn't become appreciated. Yeah, so I mean, I I took it as a um, it was this build up for him, kind of you know, championing everyone that he sees and just to keep going and and them kind of steadily reminding us, you know, this is shit. (laughs) Like you are not like you know, and then I it did get to a point, but it's funny because every time I heard that sentiment you know like what mads did it was every time like the kids the teacher yeah it's all they were all kind of saying the same thing like yeah but i guess like with me i know what you're saying though yeah in the scene with like mads he's like super vulnerable you know he's not like it's not like he can like tell mads mickelson to like shoe you know the same way he did with the kids we see because i thought he was vulnerable the whole time i mean he's a fucking he's right and he is but like I, I know like, what you're saying. Yeah, very, he's very mentally like frail. In Th- that it's moment. a it's this is a make or break kind of spot. Mm, that yeah, exa- is true. If, yeah, it felt like a very like important point. Yes, in the story, it was like, all character. right, where does he go after this? Because does Mads like they're gonna have a talk? Is it? Hey, all right, back to the you know walk you go or? Hey, yeah. we'll release you. So another thing with this film is that it doesn't. I don't know if you have it written down. I hope you do, maybe, because maybe you felt the same way. It didn't feel like this movie had a second act. It felt like that it oh. mo- had a first act and a third act, but it didn't feel like there was anything in between. And it's like when he when that moment happens when Paul uh, Guigan, his yep. name, when Paul Guigan uh, says to him, "Hey, I'm moving. I'm leaving," and he has like his breakdown. Yeah. It feels like that's the climax of the movie. And then he cuts his ear off. He has that monologue talking into the camera with like the yellow background with a bandage over his head. Right. And explaining the situation. It feels like they could have easily ended the movie there. But no, they kept going. And it felt like any other instance where he would either have a mental breakdown or he'd like get checked into a mental hospital felt like another climax. That would climax, resolve, climax, resolve, climax, resolve. Yeah. 
And that's the problem with biopics. So I mean, yeah. And I didn't know if like you felt the same way that, as I did. I do, but I didn't. I, you break this up in the acts. I couldn't even. I'm just watching <laughs> this, like trying to figure out like what the fuck's going on. <laughs> yeah. I thought it was going to end after the Mads talk. <laughs> yeah. Because well, I, I didn't even know. I, at that point, I started kind of Wikipediaing stuff on Van Gogh because mm-hmm. I was just curious, and it was one of you know a couple things I read actually was in here because it made me confused. Right, um, I but, looked up some stuff too. Um, yeah, like I I I thought the Mads talk was going to be kind of it. I thought Mads was the doctor that he got in with towards the end of his life that helped him express some of those emotions that he was feeling. Mm. Uh, not the case. No. <laughs> and then he's like, you're going here. And I was like, oh, we're moving again. Like, and then, but it was funny too, because from Guaygan to Mads, like, I don't know how much there was in between besides maybe a memory of his. Yeah. That's the thing. Like this movie, it totally, like, I'm glad you took notes. Cause for me, it felt like a blur. Like, oh, it was yeah. almost two hours long, but it, it, there was so much what felt like fluff in the film that it didn't feel like much happened and so therefore it felt like it went by i guess faster for some reason even though like it's almost two hours long because like not not much happens it feels like like not 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 at all it's very like just a few things and they draw it out so much here's one of the things that i'll propose or say because have you i don't think you've seen any terrence malick films have you uh no okay because that'll be something that i don't you know um perhaps recommend oh um but yeah you're gonna well i'm gonna have to have you see one because this is very terrence malick and it's funny because like (laughs) as i was watching it so van gogh is an impressionist right Mm -hmm. and i looked up impressionist and that is the and I, i don't in the basic sense and i hope i'm right okay but uh as you stroke the paint through light starts to refract in a lighter way Mm -hmm. so as to give a sense of a passage of time okay so that's i think what i got from impressionist it's kind of like in the moment like yeah but mm. and it's yeah so visually as you're looking at it you're there but it's you can tell it's it's moving okay so yeah because that's why he would always like paint like super quickly yes yeah yeah and they kind of give that away and the oil paintings it was always thick and then you could see the brush strokes as they go through so you Mm -hmm. place it and um it's so i it's an impressionism i believe that's what it's called i don't want to and i'm not an artist so please if you have ridicule or comment directed towards kyle he told me all this uh Um, uh, (laughs) what Oh, Terrence Malick, I was like, holy shit. I'm like, Malick feels like an impressionist filmmaker then. Mm. Like, as you're going through, you're living in all these images that are sweeping through, you know, and it's it. you get these brush strokes, so you have this big event, and then it kind of just whisks, 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 you know? And I definitely feel like this film was going for that, so I kept up some of that theme of Van Gogh as an artist relating it to the film. Right. So that's why I don't think a whole lot happened because it's just these moments that we let happen and go through, you know, mm. that are lightly explained, but nothing's ever like dove into. Yeah. You know, so I mean, that's why I think everything was always like. It's very surface level. Yeah. And there was this huge, it'd be a big triumph and then another kind of event that would happen, another big triumph and another event that would happen. And that's where you kind of get those brush strokes with the passage of time going through. Mm. And it's. Those films are just 
not my cup of tea. <laughs> like, so I did not think that this went fast. I have notes in here that say dragging. <laughs> and I was happy that I watched it on IMDb with ads. It would break up some of the monotony of what I was viewing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but there is some beauty in there. But it, like we said, I mean, it's, you it's, know. It's, yeah, it's very, like, it's very surface level, very, like, style. Yes. Like, very artsy for the sake of that's being That's why artsy. I put pretentious. Very, yes, yes. It, it was, that's why. It I, did it, feel pretentious I mean, in my, in my eyes, it was just kind of like one of those things where I was like, look at what we can do, and look at where we're going, and we're going to be creative. And, and it's like, I would give them credit. Personally, if they would have had that the camera style and some of that going on for maybe the first act, yeah, and like sprinkled throughout, maybe yes, it so but not it, the whole damn film. It reminds you of where you're at and who you're dealing with, but at the same token, we can also walk in his shoes with him, yeah, like, like kind of are next to him as opposed it, to have it have more of an impact. Mm-hmm. So that's I mean that, that's kind of that's where I'm at with with um, the feel of it essentially and that's why I, like the the act that sometimes biopics especially terrence malick films like with that shit i'm like i don't think they're acts like i call them vignettes they're just a series of vignettes that happen that yeah. we get to watch some scenes strung together it and definitely then, felt like this movie was strung together yes while watching it uh let me ask you a question okay have you ever played minecraft before yep yeah, my preston plays it all the time okay so you know the music in minecraft the sort of like piano, mm-hmm. and that's it. Uh, I was watching this film uh, in the basement. Okay, because I think my roommate was uh, watching something upstairs, and so I, I go, I go to the basement. I watch the film, and it's playing, and it's like the scene, one of the one of the many scenes where he's just walking through the woods, and it's playing that music, or like walking through a field or whatever. Ting. And I thought to myself, Ting. this is Ting. Minecraft music. This sounds like something you would hear on Minecraft. And then my roommate came downstairs and he's like, Oh, I thought you were playing Minecraft. Like he literally <laughs> said what I was thinking. And I was like, <laughs> it's I, 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 the one key notes on the piano that they have a certain uh, twang to them mm-hmm. that I think really invoke a different um, element of emotion. Yeah. Now to say Minecraft, I don't know. I mean, I don't, I don't, I didn't, I haven't played it that much, or mm-hmm. you know, Preston plays it, but I haven't really listened to it. Oh, li- so. take take a listen sometime. I would, it's I would imagine very similar. It would be close. Like Minecraft would be like a happy version of what I was listening to in this film. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah, it's kind of well. I would say it's more like the same vibe. It's sort of uh, kind of melancholic in mm-hmm. a way. Just yeah. Sort of like not too happy, but also not too sad. Just See, kind that's of indifferent. This one, I would say it felt very sad. Yeah. I definitely, like, when he's walking through the woods and I'm just listening to that, and I was like, if he had a gun, he'd probably just pull it out himself, <laughs> like, right now. <laughs> uh, yeah, you're, you're probably not wrong. Uh, <laughs> I just, that's the feel that I had throughout the whole, that's it. Well, like, I yeah, I'd watch the movie and the music would play, and I'm like, how am I supposed to feel right now? Right. How is this movie's? How is this music there's supposed to? a couple times. I mean, I guess there's a couple times where it's a little uplifting. A little uplifting. A little not. dour. Yeah. Yeah. Just yeah. Where there's no music and so, like the scene where he's painting the shoe when there's no music going on. 
I really enjoyed that scene. And if they had put music in it, I felt like it would have detracted. Oh, from dude. Well, they would have told you how you're supposed to feel when it, he's painting the show. Exactly. And that's why I don't. That it, the painting, dude. They actually, that's what kind of hooked me. Like right away, and I was like, I don't know what the fuck I'm watching because he walks up. The, the dude, it's cold open. He walks up, show me, stand still. <laughs> I'm gonna paint you. And yeah. like the chick's like, I am standing still. Stand still. I am standing. Still. I want to draw you. And I was like, what are we watching? And then all of a sudden, he's like, that's the part that I didn't like is the opening. And then all of a sudden, it's like, he's like, I draw for the community of artists. I need to, I need more artists. They're all mm-hmm. my paintings. I need more. And I was like, I had no idea what's going on. And then it's yeah. supposed to be young Van Gogh, but it's William Defoe. <laughs> so I have no idea even how old he is. And I don't know. That's half the other. That's the other problem, too, is you don't know how much time elapses in the scene because it's so he's 37. <laughs> Van Gogh's fucking like Defoe's sixty eight, and he's, so the whole time it's like, how long has he been deranged? Like, he was like sixty one or sixty two at the time of filming. Yeah, which is still not young. I mean, in any way, I, it you have no idea about. And it's his, already weathered. His brother is supposed to be. <laughs> I mean, his brother in real life, I guess, was younger than him, but it felt like it could have been his son. Yeah. <laughs> it was bad. Rupert Friend, who played his brother, I had, I kind of was like, all right. I mean, honestly, though, honestly, like from the pictures I've seen, though, I thought hmm. spot on. Yeah, so, it, it's it, that's the thing, though. If they would have made this movie like twenty years ago, like it, it wouldn't be as distracting. But. I mean, you know, <laughs> if our how about you lead off with a little intro about you know. 1890s France, you know, the plague had just stripped through everyone. Something to give a little bit of like a, mm-hmm. oh, that's why Vincent looks so old, or oh, that's where we're at. Dude, I, I don't know how young he was supposed to be. Like, after watching, I'm like, they don't give you years. You're mm-hmm. in the last couple of years, but I don't know when he met Guagan and was supposed to do the community farm. Yeah. He could have been 27. I might have watched 10 years of fucking Van Gogh. I have no idea. <laughs> So, for me, it wasn't necessarily, like, how Willem Dafoe, like, physically looked, but just, like, his movements. Yeah. You could tell he was an old man. You could tell that yeah. this was somebody who definitely was not in their 30s. Like, right. And it was very much obvious to me. It kind of took me out of it a little bit. And, they, and you know what, though? They might have just played it off as maybe people don't know. I don't know. You can't do that. Never mind. That's fucking dumb. <laughs> what happened was, so he chopped. All right. So kind of let's go into a couple things that we thought maybe were fun or we learned or things that I don't know. I just want to fucking talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, Now, maybe this happened to you. Maybe it didn't. Cuts off his ear, right? Yep. First off, did, were you like watching, trying to see like what the ear was going to look like? I was trying to see it, and they definitely like purposefully did not show it. Like, they much later. They had like a couple shots like that were very quick. They yes. That like you couldn't like really look at for too long. I don't know if they pinned his ear. I was trying to see it because they, they. But it was like it was so obvious they were trying to hide it to the point where it was distracting. Mads Mickelson talk. Yeah, like they, his whole head like. You know, shoulder over shoulder reverse shot. Yeah, like his head is blocking his ear, you and can it see him never talking in the eyes, but not the ear. Yeah, <laughs> I was like, so first off, he, I there's a coffee mug out there that has a picture of Van Gogh, mm-hmm. and the handle is an ear. Oh, I nice. think I got it from my brother. <laughs> <laughs> Which I didn't realize as like, oh, he really did cut off his ear. I didn't realize that he was like mental. I had knew nothing about Van Gogh until this film. Uh huh. Well, so he cuts off the ear, right? Mm. And I'm like staring at it, and I'm like, 
I've seen pictures of Van Gogh. I was like, did they fuck up the wrong ear? <laughs> so I'm like, <laughs> they're staring at it. And for a hot second, I was like, I'm smarter than the directors. Yeah, you thought they might have accidentally had the wrong ear. Yeah, and then I was like, that's fucking stupid. This costs millions of dollars. <laughs> Someone would have said something. Yeah. <laughs> but then out of curiosity, I was like, I really got to see what I'm thinking of then. Uh-huh. You know, but it, it's him painting a picture of himself in the mirror. Mm-hmm. You know, so... uh that I was curious about that, and then his untimely death. Did you read anything about that? So I did. So I, um, and I don't know if you read the same thing. So the movie argues that uh, he died under suspicious circumstances, with like these two kids yeah. like playing with a gun, and they accidentally shoot him, nah. as opposed to the common oh, I got belief. Different information than you did. Okay, as opposed to like the common belief that he shot himself, killed himself. Yeah. Yeah. So what was your different information? Well, so I went on to Wiki and I was kind of reading. I read up on a little bit of the stuff and, mm-hmm. it, you know, and then you see he killed himself and it's like, oh my God, like a gunshot to that, you know. And so the film plays it off that he's painting and these kids come up and they're kind of bullying him. Kind of like, I don't know if they went to rot. They're was just a, being rowdy. They're being like really rowdy and disruptive. So, and then boom, gun goes off and then he's kind of, he's fine. Okay. I don't mean to cut you off, but like, right. remember your point that you were getting to. I couldn't tell what the fuck was happening in that scene. I couldn't scene. either. Like, I, I, I had no idea what just took drawn. place. Yeah, I, I didn't know what that was supposed to convey Remember or, like, that? what had happened. He He's drawn the picture of the doctor. I was like, what? And then all of a sudden <laughs> it goes black, and he's like, and Wild Billy Gun Cody and his rough rough neck friend Renee come in. Like, and it, it, did the scene, the, it was shot in such a sloppy way. I could not dude, tell what they happened. they literally just come running in there, and I'm like... There's so many like bad like, editing are they choices and cuts. Like, like beat his ass. I had no idea. And it, then it comes out of nowhere. They had a little monologue mm-hmm. that said something about this kid getting a gun and being a little roughneck or something like that. <laughs> and like I was like, this is kind of weird. Like I was like, is he right? And then all of a sudden, it's just these kids walking in the field and he's staring at them and he's like, uh, yeah. And then it's like, hey, Vincent, fucking give us. And I was like, "What is going on?" Yeah, yeah, it's 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 weird because you can tell they're playing like the whole scene was just so and messy. Not only that, not to say, but like uh, with where the film's going, I could have definitely seen there being another hour. So I was like, "What is? Where are we at in this man's life?" <laughs> yeah, like I was so confused. It was it was <laughs> so. And my oh mind my you, I had read on Wikipedia that he ki- he committed suicide. So mm-hmm. this whole time, I'm kind of waiting for. Hey, there's the news. Yeah, you know? yeah. Done. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, what the fuck just happened? I was like, first they fuck up the ear and now his death? Yeah, I was yeah. Like, what are they doing to this man's legacy? So I guess there there was like speculation that it could have been like foul play. The um, one I read is that there's two guys that also did another, and I might be able to find you the article, but they, they did another research, like investigative research from history of uh-huh. things that were suspicious, right? Yeah. And their conclusion was that he was killed by a, a town boy that was 16. This kid's name was like Renee, and his favorite character. So that's why, if you watch it again, Wild Billy, like Wild Billy Gunn or something like that, was this guy is kind of like who we like to emulate, right? Mm-hmm. And because Van Gogh had mental illness, they would they would constantly pick on it. Right. He was an easy target. Mm-hmm. Right. So that the the theory is that he was out painting in the field one day, 
And that while Bill, while Renee essentially is his name with a buddy, went over there and they, they accidentally killed him. Uh-huh. Like, definitely did not. It was one of those another Jess. Like, mm-hmm. but he had a gun this time and it kind of went to the next level and the gun went off and, and killed him. And the reason, so the argument against the suicide was that one, if you're going to commit suicide, why would you shoot yourself in the stomach? Right. The other one was, uh, so it was a glancing shot off the rib, went into the back. He was like fine. Yeah, like he, he he walked into like the doctor's office. Yeah, he was smoking and he survived a pipe for like what a couple days, forty right? hours, almost two days. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, if you're gonna kill yourself, I guess like why wouldn't you just like finish yourself off? I guess why would you shoot yourself in the abdomen unless you really were like a martyr or a masochist? Or yeah, like I'm gonna make sure I don't enjoy any of this until I die. And I'm like, <clears throat> I'm okay with films making that creative decision to go a different route and sort of uh yeah like maybe challenge historical events that way but make it coherent make it something that i can understand while i'm watching because i I did not know what the fuck happened but did you look it up afterwards i did just so so i could know what happened that's where i was kind of like that's what makes it to me um perplexing yeah I'm like this movie fucking dragged and yet here i am reading up on these articles about how these people think there's so many different ways and i think what happened is that no well one it's history so no one likes to challenge that but two right the common notion of the artist of the tortured artist i mean I, it's i'm pretty sure it stems from van gogh Mm-hmm. This whole like what we were kind of mocking about Gill, you know, and how they represent, you know, all anyone that has a creative stick in their body, like it stems from him. He's the embodiment of yeah, that. Yeah, it's and that and you're and if you do that, you're really there's no more romanticism about you know creativity. I mean, yeah, it, it becomes like it becomes a grueling sort of like uh, uh, almost sacrificial task in a way. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, to some extent, but I mean, at least for him. Well, if you would, if you would, if you would have killed himself, the torment of existence against humanity is the, you know, he just couldn't handle the weight of God's gift. Mm -hmm. And there's something beautiful, like you, like the sadness in it, right? But take that out and say these two retarded kids (laughs) came up and shot him, and he still would have been making paintings. It's like, oh man, that's kind of tragic. But I mean, I guess he had a mental health disorder, right? So he was kind of struggling. It's like, yeah, so maybe it was like taking out a cow in a pasture. Yeah, putting yeah, put like, him out of his misery. There's really nothing sexy about that. No. <laughs> you know, there's nothing philosophical about it. It's just, shit, man, wrong field, wrong time. Yeah, yeah. It's very, like, against the grain of what the movie's going for. Yeah. So I, that's why I had enthralling. I was like, it's remarkable that they have two hours of this or whatever and then in the last 10 minutes they fucking take a pillowcase against my head and knock me off my feet and now i'm looking <laughs> up this stuff and it's like that's kind of ballsy i mean am I, and honestly for me i think it's a little ballsy that they take a uh unjustified side or whatever a smaller side in the fight mm-hmm. and they do that whole film and then they're like yeah but we're just gonna I think this ending's better, mm-hmm. so let's do that one. Yeah, but I'm also with you. It did not make the whole time it happened. I had no clue, and I kind of did it to myself with the suicide thing. Like I was like, "What?" Yeah, so, now, now I'm even more confused. Oh, it was bizarre. Yeah. It was so bizarre. They had the voiceover, and he's talking about a wild Bill gun, and I'm like, "Isn't this 18?" Like I didn't even think they had guns. Like 
Who's got a handgun? Right. Like a musket? Like, are you kidding me? You have to put a ball in there and fucking like bite into shit and like you get one shot. Yeah, right? It's yeah. not like you got like a Glock in your hand. Yeah, it's not like you have a, a revolver. Um Yeah. Damn. Did so, you have anything else in your uh, last Um Romance? No, that's about it. The only thing that the only thing that I will say is that I was kind of talking to a friend about it and I was like, it's it's interesting to think of his mental disorder affecting the way he saw things because he would say i see beauty in a different light mm-hmm. pardon the pun i guess but i was like i wonder if because of his mental disability he did see like the 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 cones in your eyes the pigment anything mm-hmm. that picked up on on the refraction of the sun throughout the field and as it's moving if he actually did see like you know like a fish just as an example mm-hmm. like he was missing a certain element you know yeah. Or, or his receptors were a little off. I, I was like, that is kind of curious as to me as maybe he was telling all these people and it's it's the irony of, of everything that's going on is that he he has this mental disorder, but he's also speaking the truth of I'm, I do see it mm. this way. Yeah. You know? Commenting more on like just Vincent Van Gogh himself. Yeah. I just thought it was kind of interesting that maybe that some of these guys that actually have these these problems, I mean, because we, 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 I don't know. You know, it's like someone being colorblind. If like they're like, yeah, that, that you know, there's that that wall's white. And mm-hmm. like, well, it's clearly gray. Yeah. And they're like, no, it's just an interesting perspective that I don't have. But it does make me think. I mean, it, to be through those eyes and see it that way, if that if it were like that, mm-hmm. you know. But we'll never know because I mean, well, and we don't even know how he died now. Right. Well, we do. It's a gunshot to the abdomen. Yeah, yeah. But the cause. But the cause. well, it was a gun. But who did it? But. <laughs> <laughs> Well, we know, but who? <laughs> um, True crime podcast coming up next. Yeah, one more thing I guess I'll say is that yeah. in my in my uh, uh, search for answers and what the hell happened in the movie mm-hmm. after looking it up. So the movie portrays his last moments um, with the doctor, and like he passes away, and then like yeah. his brother shows up, and he shows up, and Vincent's already dead. Whereas I guess in real life. His brother had was there for a little. Yeah, he he had already made it, and yeah. Vincent was still alive. <clears throat> excuse me, still alive, um, before he passed away. Right. So yeah, that's just another. Oh, because uh, like I looked up the like I guess air quotes accuracy of like how the the story unfolded and how he was portrayed. Yeah, and a lot fairly, of it is like fairly accurate. Yeah, but I was about to say, but then like of course towards the end you get into the speculation of like the cause of his death, and then also like his brother Who's not being say? there. Yeah. Yeah. One, and I'm not going to, this is just, this is a fun fact. Okay. Because it said he did 2,100 paintings. 2,100 paintings. I was like, that's a lot of paintings. Mm-hmm. I really don't know at 37 how much like 2,100 is. So I just did it like 2,100 divided by 365. So mm-hmm. if he did a painting a day, it would take, it took him five, five and three quarters of a year. If you did one painting every day of your life, five and three quarters gets you to 2,100. Oh my God. <laughs> 5.75. That's five years, nine months. <laughs> if you did it every, every fucking single day. day. And it's not the same painting. It's not like you got up and would be like, all different shit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, I was. Today I I'm going to paint this couch. Yeah. Tomorrow I'm going to paint that plant. 
And then the next day, I'm going to go and find a farmer and have him stand still for six hours. <laughs> it was insane. I don't know, man. It, to me, it's just insane. I saw that number, and I was like, eh, that kind of seems like a lot. And I was like, ah, you know, like 2,100, A lot of them are reported to be lost, too. Like The Nazis got the Nazis, them. Um, People stole them from... Yeah, descendants of, like, collectors. Yeah. Who we don't know the identities of. Like, all sorts of different facets of, like, why... They're just lost. Well, not only that, but he wasn't even really celebrated because all his shit was ugly. Mm-hmm. Like, no one thought at that time, like, it was not the way to go. Yeah. <laughs> he was so <laughs> ahead of the curve that everyone thought he was fucking... <laughs> That is in, bonkers. In fucking BC. Yeah, yeah. God, that's so dumb, Vincent. It's like a caveman banging a stick against a rock. Yeah, that's exactly how they saw it. The one kids come up and they call them, like, they call them stupid. And the one chick was like... Remember the teacher? She's like, God, anyone could be a painter nowadays, I guess. Yeah. Meanwhile, one of his paintings like recently sold for like $55 million or something. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you know, he's up there watching all this shit, like just going like this. He's like, <laughs> why am I not there right now? Yeah, exactly. Just, you gotta be kidding me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so what would you rate this film? Unless you had more to talk about. Uh, no, no, no. Um, I, that's just... I had a really... I, I knew that we were going to enjoy talking about this. I'm not going to lie. I think everything that surrounds it really builds it up for me. I'll do this because I know we don't even have this film grayed out yet or we've always talked about it. But um, to me, the film is a 6 out of 10. Okay. Definitely. And it, I just... And I'm going to say it right now. It's because it was dragging. Um, I thought some of it was creative, but I definitely did not get behind the the you know um vincent mm-hmm. i was definitely you know like i said if there's a movie that has ads in it that breaks it up that's not a good sign but the funness researching some of my thoughts about this nine out of ten like this is this has been one of the things that i have i've watched this thing on friday night and i think every day since then i mean so we're at three days i've talked about this thought about it thought about myself thinking about this and i've had a laugh a chuckle are just kind of like wow like it's you know remarkable Mm -hmm. so you know that's right so it's a little bit of a different scaling of it but i mean yeah i I think i would recommend this to people if you wanted to have if you saw it with someone else wanted to have dialogue and sit down i mean like like this Mm -hmm. yeah there's definitely something of value to be taken yes so what 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 about you so i give it the same rating as you six out of ten oh nice so i do think that this film has something to offer mm-hmm. mostly just within individual pieces of the film yeah like different separate scenes like his conversation with mads mickelson or the moment where he's painting the shoes yeah scenes oh. like that are scenes that i really appreciate and enjoy and i enjoy willem dafoe's acting and the monologues that he gives as yeah. to why he loves painting and why he does what he does um some cinematography stuff i thought was enjoyable stylistic yeah but at the same time i feel like i do have a lot of issues with this film to where like i i i had an issue with like a lot of the cinematography the music i didn't think was very fitting um just the the whole structure of the movie and the pacing the ending in which i couldn't i couldn't even tell what was happening the editing um just a lot of different issues that i had so this is this is out of ten this is like going to like a uh Getting like a full like a uh, full course meal mm-hmm. and just picking at it because you know it's like 
Not like, for me, but there are some parts of this thing that I absolutely enjoy. Uh-huh. And then you're just, by the end of it, there's just a lot of food sitting there. Yeah. But you're like, the parts I, you know, what I did eat, I, I did enjoy. I yeah. like, like the I fries. Are, the fries are good. Yeah. The chicken's a little dry, but the skin on the chicken is really nice. Right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's, I, exactly. But just, my Dr. Pepper's a little flat. <laughs> <laughs> okay, different ideas about a full course meal, but yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> sure uh, hey kfc go we, ahead. yeah we could talk about that for however long yeah so anyway it's cool man six out of ten six out of ten but i would i i'm gonna say right now i'd recommend this just so you if if you if you like to talk to us or anyone i mean i think this is a fun film not fun this is a film that you would watch and definitely <laughs> articulate some ideas on and yes. be frustrated with absolutely but you'd want to find someone that could relate i yeah i completely agree cool um so uh, speaking of agree, I agree Did you with. Just pivot again, a dog. Lot. That is fucking sick. I agree with a lot of the uh, questions that you posed when uh, talking about these different subjects. And speaking of questions, okay, double pivot. I figured we could pick up the questions that we didn't answer from the last episode. Yeah, because we got a decent amount from uh, people on the Facebook. Uh, so I figured we'll just save them for this episode. And lo Perf. and behold, here we are. This episode here and now. Um, so our first question comes from my friend Mark, who also asked a question in the last episode. Uh, what was the last movie you watched that made you cry? Interesting. Mm, good question. Um. Oh, damn. I was going <laughs> to... Do the Oscars count? <laughs> Uh, Cry from laughter? No, <laughs> no. Cringe. I actually had a moment where the guy from Coda won Best Supporting Actor, and I didn't know he was deaf. So it's oh, kind of really? like I'm like watching it, and I was like, "Is he? Is he really deaf? Is he deaf? He's mm-hmm. not deaf. He's not deaf. He's deaf. He's deaf." And then he's he's like, and does his language, and I was like, "Oh fuck!" <laughs> oh, <laughs> like I just started. Like I got misty, dude. Like it was like very touching. I mean, just to be at that age and. You know, mm-hmm. you made it, and here it is. I pitted against the world. So, uh, movie wise, though, um, I think Everest. Everest made me cry a little bit. Okay. Uh, talk about irony or juxtaposition or just the sadness that is humans mm-hmm. of what we need to strive to do in this world to be um, relative and what you'd pay to be relative. Mm hmm. And something that isn't even should be reviewed as being it was yeah so that or how to train your dragon yeah that's that's almost gotten me i'm yeah so i'm somebody who i don't cry a lot when it comes to movies all right macho man well i cry a lot for different things (laughs) films usually not so much and there are there are many times where like i've gotten close so i i would say like if if i'm answering for the last time it would probably be the end of the Lord of the Rings, mm-hmm. uh, Return of the King. The, ma- the majesty of it all? Um, just the sort of, I guess, weight that you get from the entire trilogy of films that yes. carries over into the conclusion. And a conclusion that pretty much lasts for like, I don't know, 45 minutes. If you're watching the extended it's version. It's like the book. Yeah. It's very much like it has like four endings. Yeah, and it's... It, it works because it's such a grand scale thing, so it's very yeah. it's very earned in that sense. Right. But you get like the wrap up of the characters, and like you get these endings, and 
like the sort of kind of sacrifices some of them have to make without going into spoilers, just sure. sort of the the send offs that they give some of them. It like it, it it hits me in the gut sometimes. Oh yeah, there are there are scenes like like How to Train Your Dragon. That's what I'm saying. There are, there's scenes that you could probably watch mm-hmm. or you know put yourself in where you're, you're you're just viewing it again, and it really like it sucks the air out of you. Yeah, like it's just kind of the music swells just the right way, and there's just the right smile and. You know the charm. There's just enough going on that it makes it really just pulls that string on you, and it just yeah. Some movies I have a knack for for just putting all that stuff together to to oh, no. hit you emotionally. I take that back. The last time I know I cried in a film was Gleason. Uh, Gleason is about a um, a guy that played professional football that gets cerebral palsy. Okay. Uh, you want to talk about? F- ugly crying like uncontrollably crying where you're snotting oh no yes gleason uh if you think you don't have a heart and want to challenge yourself watch that film and then see if you cannot cry during that thing and really and i'm not it's not a challenge or anything i heard about it and i was like oh and this was like me when uh i was i was with um you know preston's mom and we were we were, I I was like I heard this film's good I kind of want to see you know if like how how this makes me feel, uh, I was crying on her shoulder, oh wow and it was embarrassing oh <laughs> no not aw. like I was like I was like doing like one of those things where I was trying to hide it like you know how you mask a fart <laughs> I was trying to mask a cry You're and then to mask I, an eye fart uh yeah it got to the point where I was like snotting on her shoulder like I could not con- dude it is fucking sad oh yeah it is it's such a heavy yeah anyways that is the last time and that wasn't even like a cry where i was like oh doggy crying like you you knew and it was bad Mm. it was like ugly crying to the fullest yeah oh man i've come i've come close like i said before so movies that have almost gotten me toy story 2 with jesse's song Mm. uh that would almost get me sometimes um Fault in Our Stars. When I watched that, I was like, "Okay, All I can right. feel a little little choke up coming here." Um, Lord of the Rings, like I said, How to Train Your Dragon. I agree with you there wholeheartedly. Yeah. Uh, I feel like there's one that I had on the tip of my tongue that I'm spacing out right now. Um, if I remember it, I'll come back to it. Sure. But yeah. That. that a few times it's almost got me, but it's never like fully like I've never. No, because like, I don't want to watch. I don't want to talk about that film either. I've <laughs> I've ugly cried a call. The funniest time I ever had it was when we were watching Once Brothers, and I, I wanted to show it to my bro. Oh, I remembered. Uh, I remembered um, this documentary called Dear Zachary. Yeah, yeah, I gotta see that. That's on Netflix, and I I don't say anything because I I won't. I won't. It's I've heard it's got a nice, not a nice twist, a crazy twist, but it's like. Anyways, we don't need to talk about it. I yeah, want to watch I will, it. Yeah, I'll let you go in blind. It's um, been on my list of movies from since 2012 or 2013. Yeah, watch it. Watch it as soon as you can. I would say. Well, uh, yeah, I'll I'll watch when you watch Gleason. That, that I'm I want to okay. challenge. <laughs> All right. <laughs> that I, 
You think I'm joking about this thing? I don't. It brought don't. me to my knees, and it wasn't just me. It's <laughs> like I'm telling you right now. I haven't met a man that has gone through this and it came out the other yeah. side of it clean. Yeah, it's <laughs> <laughs> like Andrew Dufresne from Shawshank yeah, Redemption. And I don't mean that. I think I still think he's doing all right. I don't. Yeah, it's um. Yeah, it's it's tough. It's tough. I'll, it's tough. I'll add it to my list uh, for sure. Um, and also Big Fish. Has almost gotten me. Okay. The Tim Burton. No, I, uh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, at the end when he's talking to, to Danny, well, he's telling no, never, no, no spoilers. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Good point. Because that might bring other people to, yeah. But yeah, it's very, very emotional. Oh, my God. Very good father son film. Dude. <laughs> it, yes. Oh, yeah. That is a great one. No, I'm going to say, uh, Once Brothers. If you can find it, it's a 30 for 30. Uh, it's about these guys that were on the same basketball team, and as you would know, war split them apart, and uh, okay. there's some tragicness. And it, I was showing my brother and our buddy, and if I don't know, if, I know Sam's listening, but I don't know if my buddy's listening or not. Uh, I was kind of doing like a being like not a dick, but like I'm gonna get you guys, <laughs> and we threw it out of it. <laughs> my, my brother, my brother goes. I mean, like, it's literally ending. I'm still tearing up. I've seen this twice now. It gets me every time, uh, right? I look over at my friend. He's doing, like, one of the things in his eyes where he's kind of weeping into his mouth. Oh, no. And my brother, like, <laughs> my brother throws his hoodie up. It's like, excuse me. And he goes upstairs, and he literally cried in the bathroom oh, for, my ten, God. for 10 minutes. And I was like, "You broke that man." I was trying not to laugh, and I'm like sitting there, like I'm crying and laughing because I'm seeing this, and they're just generally crying. And my brother comes down, and he's like, "I just ugly cried in the bathroom for ten minutes." Oh my god! <laughs> oh, it was so bad. Shit, uh, but dude. yeah, no. There's I've seen a couple sad films. I would say watch Once Brothers. <clears throat> Oh. If you really want to feel a raw emotion, one's brothers, or listen to this and hear me laugh, that was also raw. Oh yeah, that was. <laughs> I, I'm sitting right here. I can feel the rawness. <laughs> I'm sorry that I had. To, it was really funny though, and it was. I, I, I. It's been a while since I've laughed like that. Ah, <laughs> oh, yeah. I'll, I'll keep that in mind. I'll, that's two movies I have to add to the list now. Yeah, um, yeah. Okay. And I got to use Zachary. So, anyways, on to the next. Anyways, on to the next. Uh, Frank asks uh this question which i i've seen before um but i guess we can answer are there can are there more wheels or doors in the world um so so this is a kind of a meme question that's been making the rounds i did and he asked that and i, I i'm not very uh i'm not what do the guys call it like educated uh, <laughs> or current yeah there you go that might be a little bit better yeah, well a little more accurate of a description so i didn't mr. know mr generation x he uh it's yeah i'll take that one <laughs> to say. You're, you're not exactly offended uh but yeah no he posted this and i was like oh and then i i find i think i i saw something that did the that was doing the math mm. where it's like you know well i yeah well the answer is the answer is wheels right like it's got to be doors wheels. or wheels. Like, uh, well, it's asking like which is, which there is more of doors or wheels. Yeah, right. So it's 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 definitely. But I be don't wheels. know. I mean, there's always a net, isn't there? So I was like, oh, wheels for sure. But then they started doing the thing where it's like four wheels to a car. But then there could be cars with 
four doors or a limo. Are we okay? So we're including car doors in this. I didn't know, and then I saw something, and it blew my mind. Some guy started doing the math, and then he's like, "But then you have a drawer. That's <laughs> technically a door, right?" If you I don't open know if up, I would consider a drawer. And then door. the ball bearings for it are technically wheels that open the drawer. So there's like six or eight to now one, right? But then you have doors, and those doors don't have wheels in them. No, not not in the slightest. Right. Yeah. No, I, I personally, I'm going with wheels. That's my answer. That's that's my final answer. Just so I can I can put a pin I, in it. I don't have to drive myself crazy wondering. I don't. Well, all the I wish I could remember what I saw. Definitions of what a wheel or a door is. Uh, I'm just gonna leave it at that. And if I'm wrong, cool. <laughs> no. So I Frank posted this, and then I saw that video, and then it really made me start thinking because I was gonna go with wheels too, like a sucker. Mm-hmm. And oh, <laughs> what the hell did you say? What would you say, Best Buy boy? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Circuit City. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, so I will. I think I'm also going to go with wheels, though, just because I think they're easier to manufacture. But there's so many fucking houses in this world. Yeah. But what about a wheelbarrow? I mean, for every door, <laughs> there's a wheelbarrow, right? For, well, that's like a Hallmark card right there. For every door, there's a wheelbarrow. <laughs> Patented. Yeah. Don't steal that. <laughs> Sign, sealed, delivered. I'm yours? Through that door. Through that door. Uh, oh, I was just going with the rhyming. Oh. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, scratch that. Okay. Edit it. Cut it. Redact it and reverse it. It's your flipping, whipping, when yin. <laughs> Did that just happen? <laughs> uh, our next question. <laughs> yeah. We can move on. Um, so we got a set of questions from Sam. Hey! Your, your, your brother. Speaking of. Who who uh, you were just describing as ugly crying for 10 minutes in the bathroom. It was very funny. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I just still remember, dude, we were watching it and everyone was like quiet as fuck because no one was trying to cry. And I, I remember just... Just a room full of men. Oh, dude, we are just sitting there watching it and I looked over my buddy was... He was masking it like, 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 like into his mouth. And like I looked at Sam and it was just like a water balloon. And I had like the pin was just right there. Like just one dab and it was over. So he just like, <clears throat> and like got up and walked upstairs. Mm. And like, yeah, uh, I can't think about that because I'm going to keep laughing. It was, oh, that was a fucking funny moment. <laughs> All right. Anyways, we'll Sam, to, Sam's got questions. when he when he comes on, uh, we'll have to get his side. Oh, I would love to. It won't be any. I don't know. It could be, but I don't think of anything different. I really tricked him. I told him it was a great doc, and it really is. But it's like it sneaks up on you. Oh, dude, it it sneaks up. You know, like in WWF, where the guy just shows up from under the ring with a chair. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Uh. So so his first question. Is uh, growing up, was there ever a toy from a movie you desperately wanted? I'll let you answer this one because I don't really have an answer. No. Uh, it's funny that you say that and everyone gets to know a little bit. I, I dropped more of my, my backstory and how dumb I am uh, just as we go through this. Uh, when I was little, uh, my dad told me that if you found the first star up in the night sky, you could wish, make a wish. Mm-hmm. You know, so starlight, star bright, first star I see tonight, wish I may, wish I might have this wish I wish tonight. Now, I was Dragon only tails. 
seven or eight. So, you know, like you're not thinking about world hunger or anything like that. I, uh, I saw uh, a toy, a Star Wars toy and a Target ad, and it was kind of a popular one. Mm. And so every night <clears throat> for about, I don't know, a couple months, at least in the summer, I'd go out there and wish upon that star. I'd find one thinking that maybe like the tooth fairy with the quarter that pops up that maybe I'd have, you know, this toy. It was a uh, Millennium Falcon holding case that would open up and have Star Wars. It had kind of the um, Millennium Falcon interior built out into it Mm -hmm. along with some of the characters, you know, and you could push it down and fly it. And this thing was like, would fit on the table here, probably the size of the soundboard, you know? Okay. And I that I wanted that thing for, and it wasn't just like three months. I mean, I wanted that thing for years. It was only when I could find a star and wish upon that I'd, I'd go out to. I wasn't saving money or anything, mm. but that was probably the first toy from my childhood that I, I desperately wanted. Didn't know how to get besides magic. So I didn't get it, by the way. Oh, yeah. Rip. I'm sorry. That's all right. Well, what well, do you I, expect, I, dude? Mac, I just told you how the fuck I was trying to think. What to if I told thing. you right now to look under your seat? <laughs> hey, everyone, look under your seat. <gasps> no, I, I, it, 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 there's there's nothing there. There's nothing there. That like. What yeah. about? Is it a ticket? It, no, uh, no. I was just, I was just telling like look to look under your seat because like you might have to adjust it. That's what I, that's what I was getting at. That, that's what I was getting at. So I'm I'm really sorry that I, I I'm really sorry I set your expectations that way. Did but. you ever think like like you could wish upon a star and it happen? Like Jiminy Cricket? Did I ever think that? Yeah. Um, I mean, I, surely. I I always wanted to see a shooting. Like, are you talking about a shooting star? No. Or just see, a star? that's where I guess I don't know if I was taught wrong or I interpreted it wrong. I always thought it was a star, okay. not a shooting star. But th- later on in life, people tell you it's a shooting star. Because I always thought it was a shooting star as a kid, but I never saw a shooting star right. when I was a kid. Did you have a wish lined up? Uh, most of my wishes uh, were summed up to me wanting a million dollars or oh. uh, just an endless supply of chocolate when I was a kid. Ooh. Yeah. Just okay. something like that. Right. Or like wishing that a, a relative who had passed away could come back oh yeah very existential about to say mm. this is all at six <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah this is well <laughs> this is all when i was four um <laughs> so what about you any toys um so uh you don't strike me as a materialistic guy well you wouldn't think but being an only child my parents spoiled the shit out of me so they got me oh. a lot of toys actually so hey you better watch out your mom's listening no. all right hi mom she knows that I was spoiled, and they're 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 fine with that. I can't wait to see Thanksgiving. Uh, <laughs> um, there was a toy that I really wanted, and it was a I ne- I didn't even watch the movies as a kid, but for some reason I was very infatuated with like this Harry Potter castle set. Oh, that I saw commercials for. Yeah, I thought it was really cool how like you could flip the bookcase and like the person would turn like air quotes invisible. It was just like another little figure that sure. would like hide behind it and it was clear. But they had like the little figures of like Harry, Ron and Hermione and there was uh all these different like rooms and the castle would open up and you could like, you know, transport them around and like spin the thing and Yeah. It was just very enticing as a kid. And so 
I like kept asking enticing. for it, kept asking for Come it. On, don't use enticing. And that sounds like they're trying to bait you. Well, I mean, they kind of were. Uh, you well, know, becoming a Harry Potter fan. Yes. <laughs> I bastards. forgot. I forgot. <laughs> we have pride here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I wasn't about to watch the movies. What are you, <laughs> a fanboy? <laughs> Anyway, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I kept asking for this thing, and then finally my mom got it for me for Christmas. Oh, so you got it? I got it. Oh, yeah. I, I, I. Never... I mean, it still fits the question. <laughs> yes, and then yeah. I, I never touched it after. Of course, <laughs> the lure of having it, and then once you have it, it's over. <laughs> yeah, the, this the... shit. Like, I didn't even become a Harry Potter fan. <laughs> yeah, the the pursuit was what was fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the chase. <laughs> yeah, the, the chase, man. <laughs> once you get it, it's gone. The yeah. high is no more. Deuce. Um, yeah. Other than that, I can't really think of any like movie toy that I oh dude that I it's wanted. All, that I, I think Sam get. Sam might have did this because I, I we have a um, we had a gravel pit that was mm-hmm. filled with weeds and uh, there was a four ninety nine uh, Men in Black action figure Will Smith mm-hmm. um, that I we were at Toys R Us and I told my dad you know I wanted it. he goes well. And, you know, probably because I asked every time if I could get something. Yeah. He just was like, well, uh, you know what? I will buy this if you clean out the gravel pit full of weeds. It's where we parked our car. But, I mean, you got to mind you, it's uh, 30, 30 by 10. Okay. Full of stone and weeds. And uh-huh. I had to, at the age of, I don't know, seven, eight years old, I learned a lot that day. <laughs> About what it means to make five dollars. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I think that's where it came from. I don't know. I got duped a lot. I don't for stuff. You don't know how much shit costs. Yeah, as a kid, you have no concept of monetary value. No, I fucking got roped into cleaning. I had to shovel the driveway for three months to get Pokemon Yellow. It was twenty five dollars. <laughs> Dude, we live in Michigan, the, especially the in the labor. 90s. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it was just like my dad, like, yeah, I'll get it if you. And it's like, sure, old man, whatever. Yeah, yeah. Oh, dude, they did not forget. Anytime it's known, it was like, Mac. And I'm like, no, we'll just let it build up. Like, hey, you wanted that Pokemon game, right? Yeah. Well, where's, uh, let's just take the batteries out. I guess you'll play when you do the do the uh, driveway. I guess when, the, yeah, when the driveway gets shoveled, your batteries will just be back in your Game Boy. Yeah. So. How about that? <laughs> So that's, uh, yeah, child labor, and uh, <laughs> I'm going to do the same thing to P, though. I will make sure he doesn't understand the value of a dollar until he's, like, 11 or 12. Yeah. Excellent. Um, so his next question is, what movie character is most accurate to your co-host? Um, for Dude, you. What the fuck did I have written down for you? Because <laughs> I remember writing it. Yeah. I don't think I have anything written down for you, but... Um, I've always said that you remind me of uh, the character of Ray from Good Time, uh, Buddy Duress. You know, you kind of have like that sort of similar mannerisms and that that uh, flair for for storytelling. And you also have kind of like a similar voice to him too. I feel like so there that helps as well. Yes, I I have we have talked about that. God, yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's a it's a weird poll. I'd say mm-hmm. Simon Pegg from Mission Impossible uh, Ghost Protocol. Okay. Yeah. Some of the... Um, I'm not nearly as smart, but... Well, it's more... Uh, you know, I don't remember. Was he a... I don't... I, dude, he was kind of like the tech guy. He he was techie. 
Mm-hmm. He had some of the banter. He had some of those witty comebacks, mm-hmm. right? A little bit uncertain about the next situation or the next thing that they were getting into, but was always part of the team. So, you know, that's where I kind of come back. I was trying to think of someone that's got some of that, that the uncertainty with the flair or the witty comebacks, you know? Mm-hmm. Just not not exactly kind of that the the unknown, you know? So that's what that's honestly who I thought of. I was like, that's that's who I feel like sometimes like when we talk, yeah. you know, mm. you definitely have like the vibe I give off. Yeah. All right, I I, I will uh, I will take that answer and I will wear it with pride. <laughs> <laughs> it's tough. I see, and I don't. I, I don't know. I always have a hard time with it because I never put people into like. A, Every time I do, it's always a one dimension that I find in someone. Yeah, you can't ever really compare someone to someone else because there are going to be differences. And yeah. There are going to be just idiosyncrasies that don't line up. But the ones that do, you kind of have to like stretch them out and like apply it to the whole thing. Yeah. So I understand. Yeah. And- yeah. <laughs> yeah. So <clears throat> uh, his next question. Will you guys do an Oscar pool or anything special for the Oscars? Already did. Suck it. Uh, his next question, <laughs> coffee shop format. What movie coffee shop do you see yourselves broadcasting out of? Uh, yeah, this is one I'm going to have to probably look up. So I, can I go? Yes. Okay. Um, if I, I actually put down five. Oh, uh, read them off. Okay. So here's kind of how I did it. Like it was now for <sighs> you guys be the judge. Okay, because if you were to do a coffee shop, I think diners count as coffee shops. I would. Okay. So, uh, and I'm going to do the one, the first one that isn't a coffee shop, but it's actually somewhere where it's just kind of fun. Mm-hmm. Um, so I put, it's it's the vibe of what we're doing. Dangerously, uh, there's this movie called Pontypool. Interesting. I've never heard of it. It will be recommended one day because I've only seen it once and I... I Oh, I don't own it, but it costs like it was 30 bucks on Amazon when I was trying to buy it. And I was like, I'm not dropping 30 on this thing. Mm-hmm. But <clears throat> um, it's a radio shop. So, it, you know, Sam's probably like, what the fuck? Loss. All right. But if I'd go vintage, the basement in Inglorious Bastards. Oh, now that's a little bit more of a bar, but I could see him serving coffee in the morning with some scrambled eggs. Yeah. Yeah. You could see it like being a nice, like sort of uh, Getty Street grill type of yeah yeah, venue. yeah yeah so they got and then you can get some pastries or something like that in there but that'd be a fun one just i mean just the cobblestone the you know surrounded by brick mm. really just in the dungeon of just kind of this. underground yeah but it'd still be it'd be really i think it'd be fun to uh, sit in there so that's vintage <clears throat> if i was going blast from the past now this is a little bit of a stretch too the lagoon and the patriot mm. now i say that's a coffee shop because that's almost like a convenience stop Right, they'd mm. go in there. They serve coffee. They'd have a. It's a camp, right? But I feel like sometimes in those venues, you know, you can definitely feel get a <clears throat> vibe. Plus, every time I watch the Patriot, I always want to hang out at that spot. Mm. So I think it'd just be fun to, as long as there weren't like any mosquitoes or shit like that going on. Um, if it was like a in the background coffee shop, right, where we were kind of like just there. Um, you know, other action going on where maybe we're talking and it's like, you know, not, not the focal point of the scene, but attached to it, mm-hmm. the diner and reservoir dogs. Yep. That, yeah. That's one that came up when I was looking it up. Nice. Yeah. So that's, I was thinking about, I mean, that one was, is a, uh, that one's a fun one. And then the last one, 
most relatable where actually I have the most kind of enjoyment thinking about doing it or where it'd be at is the diner from pineapple express. Okay. Um, yeah. There's one of those things where, you know, it's Sam and even Sam brought it up the one time that <clears throat> I remember watching pineapple express. He goes, it's the, it's the closest you'll feel to like hanging out with your buddies after a night of drinking, you know, mm. and it's not saying that that's the, what we have, but it's one of the spots. If I wanted to be like very loose, very relaxed, very easygoing, uh, it would be want to be a spot where <clears throat> there's absolutely no judgment involved with what's going on, and uh, that diner—that's the diner that makes me th- think of that. Okay, I feel like I don't even have to answer for that one because you—you covered well, pretty yeah. much the basis of what it was going for. So, thank you for that. Absolutely. I appreciate it. I oh, appreciate it you being ahead of the curb. Oh shit! I didn't even fucking. I. <laughs> what's up? Movie. The last movie you watched that made you cry. I literally wrote, so Normal Cry, I wrote Everest. Mm-hmm. And then I remember when I answered this question, because I was like, that just doesn't feel, gen-. like, it, I did cry during Everest. But mm-hmm. it was, like, kind of like a, you know, a, a soft weep. And I was like, I know yeah, why I've had not it. like a cry. I wrote Ugly Cry Gleason. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> and I just, it was the same exact thought process. I, anyway, so you guys go. The Mind of Mac. There we go. Uh, Mind of Mencia. Uh, that was canceled. Anyway, <laughs> uh, last question is from Andrew. Uh, favorite movie from the year you were born? I'm going to look this up real quick. I had an answer at first. When did this get posted? I must have missed this. Uh, this was one of the first questions we got from the original Facebook post. Oh. Uh, 1994. Uh, so I'll go oh, first. You got Pulp Fiction. You got. You got. I get. I got a lot. Crop. I have a lot of a, uh, a good answers. So um, I've got Pulp Fiction, Shawshank Redemption. I got Leon the Professional. Um, there, there's a healthy amount. Um, when did Fight Club come out? Wasn't that? That wasn't '94, was it? <gasps> got mine. You got yours. No, Fight Club was like 97, 98. I thought it was. Oh, it was 99. 99? Yeah. Yeah. So I'm five years off. Uh, Yeah, I would would have to say Pulp Fiction, probably. Shawshank Redemption being pretty close. That's uh, that's my answer. That's yours? I would say so. Okay. Uh, Mine, easy, wrapped up, done, Tremors. Okay. There you go. I still have to watch that. I haven't seen it yet. Ow. Your mouth is agape. When yeah. I when I told you, <laughs> the fuck's wrong? With you? Why'd you do that? I I, I should have kept my mouth shut. <laughs> yeah, so tremors. Now, now you're judging me hard across this no, table. No, I don't do that. I, it, listen, man, we're all here to watch film, and in the name of film, have nice conversation about movies that we see. Good correspondence. Yes. Mm. Amazing. Word I can't spell. Oh well, you'll get there one day. I believe in you. <laughs> so. Uh, anyway, yeah, that was the last question. Okay, so um, pretty much reached the end of the episode, but uh, we do have one more bit of business to cover. I would say there we go. So the Oscars, <laughs> the Academy Awards, I should say, yeah, were uh, last night, and uh, so by the time, uh, so I'll just say this right now. So you and I made our picks for each different category as to like who would win. And we, we said that whoever had the most right picks got to recommend the next film for 
the next episode, oh, episode yeah. 17. Oh yeah. And um you know, you watch the Oscars live. I haven't I haven't really seen footage of it other than Will Smith smacking Chris Rock across the face. Yep. Um but uh, nevertheless, uh, I put in my guesses, you put in yours. Yep. And uh your total number of right guesses, you got 11, correct? Uh, and I got a whopping three. <laughs> so you got three? Yeah, I got three. So um, I was a little, I was pretty close, I would say. Yeah. yeah if if close was um, nowhere near. Uh, <laughs> it happens, man. It happens. Sometimes so, when you go with what you want to see. My you know? line of thinking was, and I guess I'm going to try to defend myself a little bit, but my line of thinking was I chose movies that uh, I wanted to see win. Mm-hmm less like like less than like movies that i thought was like because i knew they were gonna give uh best animated film to Encanto. i just knew but i picked the mitchells versus the machines because oh yeah i picked flea yeah i i I like that movie and i i enjoyed that film yeah and i was kind of thinking like oh they gave it to spider verse and it's the same people so Mm. maybe they'll give it to them again sure um but yeah no you you won so congratulations. Yeah. So uh, um So you get to recommend So the film. You know, and I don't want to do it like this, but I was thinking since we are a film podcast and a coffee shop mm-hmm. type film, and I haven't really challenged you yet to watch a whole lot of films. Where oh. You know? So oh, you've got you've got something up your sleeve. I, I do. Like. I was well, and it's one of the things that I'm trying to do now as a movie. You know, as, as watching film, and I don't want to say grading or critiquing film, just previewing it, being able to recommend to other people. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm trying to watch all ten of the best pictures. All right, so I've got uh, about halfway done, maybe a little bit more. Okay. I don't know where you're at. What, I've uh, I've seen three of them. You've seen three? Mm-hmm. All right. So what I want to do for the next app, and I'm recommending this, all right? So if you can't do it, you can't do it. Uh, but we're both going to watch all 10 Best Picture winners, and then in two weeks, we'll talk about that and give um, however we want to do it. I guess we could probably – we'll probably think of something, you know, in between that time. But I have the 10 Best Pictures up there, and, uh, I mean, shit, it's going down in history. You know, we might as well talk about it. You're recommending 10 movies. Total. So, I mean, you've seen three, so it's like seven. You just got to scarf down seven in the next two weeks. That is unprecedented, McLean Parker. Throwing it out there. But you know what? It's your recommendation, and I have to respect it. God damn it, he's in. I have to respect the sanctity (laughs) of this coffee shop format, my friend. Woo! So, for your sake, for my sake, and for film's sake... I will do it. But, but, Belita. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> so, yes, uh, you heard us right, folks. Uh, we are going to be talking about uh, each of the 10 Best Picture nominees uh, for the Academy Awards of 2022. Yeah, so check them out, one. Yes. Uh, because, or find the one that you like and that you want to see. Yes, because I imagine we'll be talking about these movies in depth and comparing and contrasting maybe sort of discussing who we thought should have won uh, and not only the best picture category, but maybe overlapping categories as well. Yeah. Um, so really it seems like this next episode is going to be sort of a Oscars discussion Yep. in a way. So 
yeah, if you want to um, check out our next episode, be sure to uh, uh, catch yourself up with those films. And um, yeah, if uh, you don't want them spoiled either, give them a watch. Or maybe you haven't watched some of them, but you're still interested in what we might have to say. So uh, that's Hell totally yeah, up to you. Just check it out. Just it's going to be the freaking vault of 2021 slash two films. I just like the Super Bowl. Um, <laughs> yeah. And you get to hear it. You can you can talk with us. And then if you don't want to talk about Coda or Belfast or hell, I don't know, Nightmare Alley, then just tune out. Yes. Whatever. But we're going to we want to talk about it. And we want to have we want to grab everyone's ears or not ears um eyes grab their eyes yeah with captions grab their throat oh grab their genitals oh all right woody no uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> no i was thinking more of all the codas out there mm. um we're gonna really put the <laughs> i can't do that joke uh so yeah anyways there it is there it is there Boom. it is um Thank you guys for listening to episode 16 of the Neon Crew podcast. You can find us on Spotify as well as YouTube. Look up the Neon Crew podcast. We're on there. Also, our website, www.neoncrewpodcast.com. Uh, and, uh, you know, you can follow us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, all the nice socials, getting them out there. Hopefully you enjoyed this episode. And uh, Mac, was there any last thing that you wanted to say? <laughs> was there? WWTHD. Bye, everyone. <laughs>